to another episode of No Plans to Be Merged. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. Ooh. I'm your other host. Who? Daniel Colborn. Daniel Colborn. Um, Daniel, it's great to see you. Oh, Today's wait, 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 sorry. <laughs> Dude, I by... forgot that this is funded. We're we have a bunch of, of sponsors today. Oh, so many sponsors. It's honestly, and that's why we forgot, is it's just a hog wild right. day for sponsors. Uh, right off the bat, the uh, ability to plug a PS5 controller into a computer. Right. And also, uh, we actually should have compared sponsor notes because we're also sponsored by Xbox, the ability to just Bluetooth an Xbox controller Ooh. to a Mac book. Um, yeah. And actually the Wiimote uh, is next week um, that you can just Bluetooth to a Wiimote. Is this like a, com- like, is this a conflict of interest? Like, did we talk to legal before we signed all of these different sponsors? Who's legal again? Jennifer? That's, that's, no, Mr. Max. <laughs> Miss Brother Max. <laughs> Brother Max. Yeah, we should have checked with Brother Max. Bro- Max. Max, Max, you should have caught this. this. Legal. You should have caught this, buddy. <laughs> Max, this is your job. This is your job to know. So, yes, that's... Uh, at me like, what? Daniel, we got more sponsors to get through. Sorry, sorry, sorry. PS, legal. PS... What controller? PS4? Five? Five. Five, great. Mm-hmm. And uh, what else? Oh, we got Xbox brought to you by scheduling. Bluetooth. The ability to actually yeah. put something down on the calendar and stick to it. Uh, for example, sure. record a no plans to merge. So thank you, scheduling. We're all here. We're all away. And discipline and diligence. Um, yeah. Yep. And then... It's not even December. Discipline December. It's not, uh, which I thought about today. Um, but it's also, we're also sponsored by Instant Dust Remover Air Duster. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you, Air Pretty Duster. Pretty self-explanatory tool that only has one use. That's right. No other use. Only dust stuff off. Don't do anything else with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that, those... thank you to all these sponsors. Yep. Uh, oh, oh, we're also sponsored obviously. by. I need to turn this off. Actually, I'm, I only did it for the sponsor read. Um, space heaters. Oh yeah. Transform sure. your office into a cozy wonderland. Yeah. They, what they recommend is put it right next to your acoustic guitar. Um, yep. For keep the Space wood heaters. moist, and also brought to you by Caleb's new mega studio. I'm seeing that, which is everything is finally all hooked up and wired up through a single loop pedal and to an amp, and I can now just like make the coolest does stuff. Does it all run into the Deluge? So this is the problem: is right now I have the the Dell the Deluge um, mm-hmm. running just as an instrument, so I'm using the loop pedal uh-huh. to control everything, but uh you can loop with them. i know but it's like chicken and egg thing i'm always running across like sometimes i want the deluge to be an instrument and sometimes i want it to be the daw and right. so i need like two separate configure i actually have two mixers because for both you know arrangements um but yeah i honestly like before this i was gonna fiddle around and just do that um but i need the deluge pedal they have that three have you yeah. seen that they have that pedal like well, built you for just it. Use a pedal. Yeah, I know you could just use like a pedal, but I would need a pedal. So you need... I need to get the pedal. But I was thinking, here's oh. what I want. 
I want, I don't care if it's the deluge or a ditto pedal, whatever. I want a looper, but I want it to have buttons in front of every instrument all going to the same looper. So I can just like, you know, oh, set so a loop from the piano and, and right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and then what you want is like a large overhead display of like the, the count. Yeah. That would be nice to know how many, like, yeah, dude, could, that's essential like really stuff. Like, like a metronome, like whatever, like just, I guess you would want like 16 LEDs. Yep. I mean, even whatever, however many, just to know how, how, like where I am in the loop, you know, yeah. um, that that's would be I mean. very helpful. I, I was trying to record I Miss You yesterday and I was starting with the bass line. Yeah. And man, it's so tough to like nail perfect tempo just with a bass line that is off temp. You know, it's like, it's so funny that like now you know you're like a you're like a dad with like a a music room you know oh is um, that a, a trope no no i'm just okay. saying you are one right, right? i am a dad and, and i like, have a music room right? there is a trope of like dads being in bands you know oh, dad bands yeah uh-huh. and like it's gonna be really funny when like dad bands rather than playing like aerosmith or something are playing like you know like Parabore. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's like, dude. I can't wait for that because like dude, I, <laughs> I want to go see all the local like bands and stuff, dude, but they all, all play rejects stupid such music. Dad rock. <laughs> I know that's gonna be great, man. When we start having like um, what are those called? Those bands that impression bands, cover bands, cover bands. Oh, that'll be dope. When yeah. like they're just like all over the place you just go to the park on a random saturday and it's like 182 cover band that would be crazy that's gonna be be great um tom delon what 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 is the band that's gonna have like a lot of cover bands that we didn't expect hmm good question that's a really good one you think there's taylor bands for like yeah that's what i'm thinking like for like weird like pop artists hmm well, who are the cover bands like, right now? Like Journey, Steely Dan is the most covered. There's a lot band. of Steely Dan cover bands. Hmm. I, yeah, Journey. That one song, "Don't Stop Believing." Right. I don't think that there's like no. A they lot got of cover, bands. cover bands. Oh, there are. U two. I feel like there's a lot of U two. U two. Yeah. Or like the Killers. The like that kind of stuff just lends itself well to being yeah, a cover. The band. Killers, I think, are a little new for it, though. You right. Know? No, I'm saying, in, you know, when we're oh in the future, yeah, the Killers yeah, yeah. or the Strokes. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't listen Dude, to the, the Strokes. Strokes. I don't you think. Never listen to the Strokes. No, that's like a punky punk band, right? No, 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 barely. Yeah, I feel like it is though. Like it's like um, it's absolutely. Not. They just have uh, a name. It's like that the sounds Who, like or um. Okay, there's the Strokes. There's the Who. There's the mm-hmm. who's the with the band that did the song with Blink. <laughs> that's like with all of this I know now everything inside. No, no. Um, come on. I don't know. No way. Is it like an, an like it's a rad British song. punk band? Yeah, one of those. Is that what you're looking for? Yeah. Like the Sex Pistols or No, like not that? like that, I guess, okay. old and iconic, but something along those lines. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Any, well, uh, anyways. No, the, the Strokes are not that. The strokes, Who are the Strokes? What do they play? What are they like? 
They're from Chicago. I think their most famous album was recorded in like 2002. I don't need the biography, Daniel. Give me some tunes here. Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm just contrasting them with like, you know, 1980s British punk. Gotcha. So they're not um, rancid. (laughs) Rancid. Yeah, they're not rancid. These are all the bands that my neighbor growing up, Billy, had on his his jacket, his jean jacket, all the patches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. There are people with like the strokes patches, yeah. but like it's it's their first patch. Like they've never had a patch before. <laughs> I think I have a gap in my music of bands uh-huh. that are not like I don't know how to classify them, but basically bands that start with the and were popular a bit ago. The Doors, The Strokes, The Who. Okay, but The Doors and The Strokes are like Oh, I know. 30 years apart. Right, but I don't even know The Doors. I wouldn't know a single The Doors song. Okay. But to uh-huh. me, they're the same. The Doors and The Strokes are the same. And The Who. And The Who. And The Killers. Not The Killers. That's different. That's a different The. That's not a hard The. See, I, I, I kind of group The Strokes and The Killers. No, see, The, the Killers is two syllables. That's the difference, I think. Oh. This is a theory. Name another the one syllable band. Name another theory. <laughs> Name, another, Name theory. another the the one syllable. The one syllable band, yeah. The the Duh Boys. The Boys. The Bears. The Bears. Um, well, that's it for I bands. I can't think of another the one syllable. Dude, I gotta yeah. look this up. Um all of this the Blink band. 182 features. Um. Oh, come on! Collaboration with musician. Dot. 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 I gotta click through here. Yeah. The Cure. Ah, again. Cure. Single syllable oh, the band, see, that, man. A total. Again, though, a totally different genre. Is it? Yeah. English rock band The Cure. Yeah, The Cure is like like '90s goth new wave. Did you say goth? Yeah. Where are you from? Where are you even from, man? I'm telling you. Yeah. Oh, I don't know anything about The Cure. Like I said, it's the single syllable. The bands. Um, the I had a bands. Friend who, I had a friend I feel like I oughtn't name because... Just name him. I No, I think I've named him before on the show in context of other things. And you got to so season to sit. listen to the show who know who he is. Okay. And I don't know that he wants this part of his like life associated with the part of his life for which he is known. Okay. Um, however, at one point, uh, he was like pretty heavy in the like '90s new wave goth scene. Okay. Um, and I've seen pictures of him, and it's like, whoa! I had no clue that that was a part of your life. Yeah. Where <laughs> he was just like with like crazy makeup and long hair like wearing a mini skirt in the club like yeah you know, doing crazy shit that is crazy um yeah it was a while but like now looks like a like just an upstanding an citizen absolutely down the middle white dude yeah you know yeah well a lot of those those goths didn't didn't quite stick with it yeah it didn't pan out for him. Yeah. well i think also like there was some other like he also like didn't stick with the drugs and the drinking that's that a part was also of it going too. on at the same time. That's a part so of I it. So I think, I think you know, it's like, well, what am I just going to go here and be in this miniskirt sober? Like, what's going on? Yeah. yeah. Got, being goth, I don't know if it's... That, that was just like a... Was that 
peak our growing up era when people were well this is i think the like pre-us goth okay it's goth by the way like like uh buffalonian goth and pop it's gath and pap um your ma'am my mom oh yeah my mom it's so funny because at one point like the people i was like talking to most at work were like you and sam geitz yeah who both have these kind of like right se- j- different but similar rust like, northern bell eh, just... accents you know yeah just these like eh. just industrial um, sounding voices yeah. just rusty industry voices yeah yeah just uh yeah chicago yeah well that's that's like a would a Chicago person say that? Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that Chicago. you were saying it more like how like yeah. uh, somebody oh, from Wisconsin, Minnesota would say Chicago. Yeah. yeah. I tried. I remember like my my cousin is from Vermont. My mom. And he would say like 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 mom and like we would say like Bob. His dad's name is Bob, and he's like Bob, you know, because he's from Vermont. Yeah. Vermont, and his name uh-huh. is Bob and Rob and Bob. go get a job and whatever and and i you know i always thought it was really awesome sounding and so i think i like subtly when i'm around him just like try it on you know oh yeah yeah, oh yeah uh, yeah uh. that's literally what they sound like new england is a whole thing <laughs> my wife has like two sides of her family right yeah as do we all right <laughs> just um, that's pretty cool <laughs> Wow. <laughs> her, her mom's really? side is from like New Mexico, Colorado okay. area. Yep. Um, her dad's side is from Connecticut. Yep. And like Connecticut side of the family is like, mm. like New England accents are just funny to me. But like her dad was a cop. Like, or his, her, sorry, her dad's dad was a cop. Her dad would never be a cop. Okay. Her dad was a conscientious objector. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is the opposite of a cop. Okay. Um, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, no, her her grandpa was a cop, and like, so it's just kind of this family of like, kind of like middle class, yeah, Connecticut people, yeah, that kind of like ascended to like upper middle class, or oh. some of them to like great wealth. Oh, right, okay. Um, but they all kind of have like a little bit of like a like a a dirty Connecticut accent, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whatever whatever's left of that, you yep. know. Anyway, so like her her one uncle's like a prison guard, and so he's he's got like he's got it good. Mm. Anyway, New England accents are awesome. What I love is a deep Maine accent. What's that? I can't even do it. It's one of the few American accents it's like just unattainable. I give give well, me a try. Like, give me, or describe it. Well, so so I'm cutting. <laughs> uh, I gotta cut down the tree. And yeah, then I can see that. Y'all wanna. I don't know. It's kind of like it's like Canadian. It's like a Canadian, right? Yeah, was holding mixed in their mouth. With, well, actually, kind of like a Canadian mixed with a Midwesterner, you know. But there's a golf ball in the throat. Yeah, it's like it's like a Canadian's holding a golf ball in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Anyway, there's this video online of a which is one of my all-time favorite videos. It's just like so satisfying. Whoa, here we go. Of a main. What's a person who deals with stone? Is it a mason? I mean, it's a block mason. Oh. 
Maybe it's a stonemason. Uh, maybe. Could be a stonemason. A main a main rock man. Yeah, rock. Rock Bon. Uh, Named Bob. Just splitting an enormous piece of granite okay. by hand using chisels. Yep. It's, I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful work of art video, probably four minutes long. Okay. But the whole time he's just sort of quietly walking you through the process, you know? Yep. And he's got this like, like you can tell that like everyone in Maine who has a Maine accent is like, this guy has the strongest Maine accent I've ever heard in my entire life, mm. you know? And Link uh, in the show notes. Yeah, link in show notes. The guy's hardcore with it. That sounds Caleb, great. Can we talk about Nex? Because I wanted to talk about it last week, and like Nex? the story arc has developed. Wait, wait. Nex. Let me just make sure that I'm ready to move on past accents here for okay, a second. Sorry, sorry. I just accent. need to make sure because I think I'm ready. Uh huh. I think I'm ready. You good? Accents are good. Oh, yes. um, my brother's wife Dia, who is an immigrant from East Africa, she. Okay can't hear she's just starting to hear southern accents but she almost can't hear accents and she speaks fluent english but she can't hear it it's crazy like she can't tell that someone has a southern accent yes. or if someone's speaking with a southern accent she like can't hear them speak right she no like she can't hear him speaking at all <laughs> like, <laughs> i think it's something with um wave uh, phase cancellation you know mm-hmm. um with the ten tenor of uh, of a southern accent, the twang. Yeah. But no, like we'll we'll be making fun of somebody, or we'll you know you put on an accent just for fun, be like, "Hey y'all," or I don't know, whatever. And to her, she's like, "Oh, you just said hello, you all," you know, mm-hmm. no, not like that, but you know, what I'm saying? <laughs> but it is pretty wild hey, that like I don't know, Hi, like hey. yeah, just one of those things. Yeah. So, so that's one of those things. Um, that's all I have to say about accents. We can now move on to Nex. Nex. What is yeah. Nex? Nex. You have you have a neck and I have a neck. Oh, dude, let's talk Nex, bro. We each of us have dude. a neck. Dude. All right. Can I just give you, because like for the listener, they don't know about the whole. Dude, this is crazy because I want to talk Nex today. What's this up with great. that? So, Caleb. So the last time Hit we me, talked Nex. Yeah. I'll, let me just tell you. For Nex the JS, that is. Neck, no, yeah, neck, necks, JS. Oh my god, I'm gonna start a framework. Um, last time we, <laughs> it, it's not a, it's not a headless CMS as much as it is. Right, that dude, that's it's great. A, it's a, it's a connector between the head and body right. CMSs. Yep, um, it's an interface. The uh, <laughs> last time we talked next, Caleb was on the Coles Cash <sighs> episode. Oh, dude, legendary. Your shop there. Legendary. I know this because <laughs> we got one of our perennial uh, pictures of Kohl's cash on Twitter. Every once in a yeah. while, someone will go to Kohl's and I'll end up getting tagged in a tweet. This is my favorite um, part of No Plans to Merge Culture. So let me just put it out there that if you want to receive love from us, <laughs> if you want to warm our hearts and cockles, then you will show us your Kohl's cash. Show us your Kohl's cash. Because we're, we're taking the pictures of a little barcode and then we're going to use it to buy stuff that we're going to return to Walmart. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. So, dude, I forgot about the perpetual finance machine. <laughs> so, this is Man. why I remember is because someone sent it to me and I was like, 
damn, that was a good episode, wasn't it? I should oh, re-listen to that episode just to see if you, the bit man. is as good as I remember it. Is it? So I did. I had a flight to Barcelona in the morning. Okay. And I was doing my classic maneuver of staying up all night yeah. until my 6 a.m. flight. Yeah. You know, which is just the move. Um, right. in, so I was unless doing that. you can't sleep on the flight and then it's the dumb move. Right. So I was doing laundry. I was doing listening to the episode on my headphones. Yep. And on that episode, we talked about necks and we were talking about I was telling you that I had like some something kind of fucked up with my neck. Yeah. And like as I was listening to the episode, I was like, my neck is kind of fucked up right now. Hmm. Like as I was listening to it, I was like, hmm, my neck hurts a little bit. Weird. Yep. Weird that that's. I wonder if it's psychosomatic because I'm listening right, to the podcast right, right. or whatever. Your neck is. Little hurting. did I know. I then got on a plane, slept for eight hours on a plane to Barcelona. Um, got off the plane and my neck was fucking fucked. Mm. Like. It was not good. So I then like walk around Barcelona for two days like oh man, this like seeing only the like where was you know, the 30 the degrees of view field immediately in right. front of me. Like if and, you like, turn you your head out, it like pain kind of crawls uh, down there, the well, middle of your back or something. I wasn't turning well, my head. Yeah. I was turning my, my whole self. Sure. Um, so we're going out for like two hours at a time and then I'm coming back and need to lay down in the hotel room because my neck is just keistered yeah um shoot so then it, we're there for a, a wedding you know yep charlotte bought a dress about it she was excited um and then the day before the wedding she got bad food poisoning oh and you had to wear so the dress she didn't even go to the wedding she was in the hotel room just getting oh obliterated. man come on that's and the I'm, worst so then i'm at a wedding by myself with a just a sore neck, surrounded by dancing Europeans. Yeah. Um, just trying to be a good time, you know, because that's like your job is like be at the wedding, be a good time. Yeah. Don't be the guy who's at the wedding bitching about his neck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. You know. So, to anyone you know, who will listen. I, so the wedding goes to like three a.m. You know. Yeah. Because these Europeans, they love dust funky beats. Mm. Um. And so I'm just there doing the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. We get through the wedding, go back. We have one more day in Barcelona, get on a plane, eight hours back. Great for the neck. Um, Great for the neck. <laughs> I'm home for two days. I have to go to Seattle. That's a long flight. Then the flight back is even longer. And it's the flight back is like 11. It's like a red eye, like 1130 p.m. to oh, like man. noon, basically. Um, it's bad. Dude. So, anyway, my neck is just destroyed. Yeah, I'm home. I'm like walking around. It's I've been home for like two weeks, and I like can't stand it. Yeah, you know? uh-huh. I'm like dying. Yeah, over here. I'm taking like a Tylenol and Advil every day. Getting a lot of massages from my wife. Yeah, you know, just trying to lay it still as much as I can. Like you know, being good to the neck. Yeah, you know what I did? What you, you do? Know what I did, Caleb. Uh, you went to a I, chiropractor. No, I bought a goddamn massage gun and it instantly fixed the... Oh, really? You can use that yourself or did you have to have Charlotte gun you down? No, I use it myself. How do you use that on your neck? You just kind of like crank your arm behind your head? Oh, I got you. from the side, kind of like traps sort of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all this stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. You know? Yep. Anyway, 
I didn't buy the Theragun, which is the expensive one. Yeah, those things are the nuts. The Sharper Image knockoff. Okay. Sh- uh, which of the knockoffs has like some of the best reviews. Mm. Um, and boy, howdy, let me tell you, it is incredible. That's great. Um, it's so good. And it's like Sharper Image, you would expect it to be kind of shitty. Yeah, for sure. But it's like aluminum unibody construction. Nice. It's heavy. I could kill an intruder with it. Yep. You know, like it's heavy. Yep. It goes, like it's quiet. It's not like rattly. Yeah. You know, it's got like, it feels like a really premium product for Sharper Image. Hmm. $80. Wow. As compared to the Theragun, the cheapest Theragun is 200 Yeah. And they go up from there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, I really recommend getting the Sharper Image. The Theragun is like the Vitamix of massage guns and yeah, a sharper the image is like whatever yeah um it's the one that i have yeah right. the oyster <laughs> yeah um yeah that's good i, I have and i found with my neck that it is uh not great uh because of how violent it shakes your head um mm-hmm. and neck and everything i just felt like it, it works i i liked it on my legs and back and stuff but my neck, it just felt like, eh, I don't know. I didn't love it. Um, so it might be that I had just like been holding. Cause like at a certain point, it's like when your neck has been hurt for a long enough time, yeah. like a lot of the pain is just from all of the things that your body has been doing to prevent your neck from getting more hurt. Mm. Right. Cause like you've just been tensing up a lot of muscles yeah. all through your whole self yeah. to like protect your neck, you know, yep. as the Wu-Tang says. Protect your um, neck. And so I think what had happened is I had gotten to the point where the neck, the incident, the incidental neck pain actually may have passed. Okay. Yeah. But I was just racked with pain. Yeah. From the fact that my whole spinal column had been contorted into like yeah. a neck protection device. So it may have just been that I like relieved that and then there was nothing underneath it and mm-hmm. it felt great. I mean, I, I, so, would, I should own uh, one of those just for fun, but I use the, uh, you've seen those hooks. It's like a big plastic cane hook thing. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it looks like one a of those too. candy cane thing. And that uh-huh. I found is the best massager um, because you can, because of the leverage, you can like really dig into your, into a yeah. specific spot. Like you can't with basically any other massager. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. So fill a, <laughs> filling space and time um <laughs> charlotte just got home and poked her head in and was like hello hello um, uh, so but yeah I, the neck, I bring that with me like most places i have it in the car always because that is the only really? thing that i've been able to if my neck starts to tweak which i i am like mm-hmm. i have i can avoid that now my neck is in constant searing pain but i don't tweak it anymore because i follow like a set of rules and guidelines and things um, but if I did or when I used to and you feel that tinge, you know, it's like where oh. where it's like, oh, I bet if I just if I like move my head and tilt it to the side, I'm either going to get rid of this tinge entirely or I'm going to multiply oh. it times a thousand for two weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. This is something that you can actually like work that out with and not descend into the neck pain hell for a month. Um, anyway, what? So your neck is in constant searing pain. What is the source of it? Let me show you and you narrate to the listener because straight up... Do you have an x-ray or something? Yeah. I just dug up my MRIs and and x-rays 
um uh-huh. because i like i have to freaking figure something out um because i'm just gonna like die early or oh my something God, you have a folder on your, your documents called my neck yeah capital m capital n okay so here's the crookedness of the old neck uh-huh so it's it's a little tilted to the right yep Is so just totally the back yes Okay. So, so totally wonk to ass, just crooked. This all started because I went to the dentist and they took an x-ray of my teeth and saw my crooked ass cervical spine and were like, you should get this looked at. Um, yeah. Okay, so crooked there. And then this is called military neck. This is my neck. And normal necks have a curve in them. My neck yeah. has no curve. So if you look at so I like... Think I have the opposite neck. I have like, like nerd neck. No. Which is the one where like... It's overly curved. Okay, so this is a normal curve. Yeah. This is military neck. And yes, so, so your neck is like at a, I would say like a 15 degree angle. Yeah, and you can kind of angle. disregard the angle because I'm like taking this x-ray, I'm probably forcing my head back into like a more proper. The, the important thing is that this like. It's straight. Straight as an arrow. Yeah, where it's supposed to be. Arrow. Yeah, like supposed to have like 20 degrees vertebrae. of curve or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it causes all of these like, obviously you know those, to pinch. You know those little toys that like uh that have like links that you can kind of like bend. Oh man, that's such a bad description. Sorry <laughs> for the listener. Uh, anyway, it's like if you took like a Cuban link gold chain and just stretched it taut. That's what his Yeah, neck is. right, right, right. It's like, well, yeah. I had a like a fish vertebrae necklace. Uh-huh. So that's a good analogy <laughs> if you stretch that dot, but that's yeah, uh, no, nope, not many people. Vertebrae, vertebrae are definitely animals. like more like vertebrae than like other things. Yeah, right. Exactly. Just compare them to vertebrae, uh, but obviously, like this causes all sorts of issues and whatnot. And uh, yeah, so because like I'm just starting to figure out that like you know, all the stretch physical, th- all these things that I've done, so many of them are bad for me. And like my posture, I try to you know I did the standing desk forever. I have all this like, you know, um, ergo stuff. And I'm basically just starting to realize that all of it is bad for me because I can't, my neck can't be in a neutral position. Like normal people, neck forward is bad. So it's like, oh yeah, put your wings back, stretch your pelvis out or your pecs and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and then put your head back. For me, it's like I'm just holding a head on a stake and and it doesn't, it's not like that. So anyway. So are your, are your vertebrae like fused they're not fused but that's like there's a road where this leads to degenerating discs surgery and then me getting plates in my neck um and i'm trying to avoid that road but uh dude i found this why why neck so straight injuries um dude i literally found a study that someone did like a doctor or whatever an experiment to see if they could take somebody with military neck and put a curve back in their neck and they did it was took like it was very rigorous and took months and months and a lot of machines to like you know contort their neck um but the, like it like opens up with a 24 year old male who got whiplash and uh went unconscious in a car accident or, or off a bunking bronco or something and uh fell and um landed on his head after doing a backflip and dude mm. i landed on my neck after doing a backflip and mm-hmm. I got whiplash and went unconscious in a snowboarding accident. Um, so it was just crap. I'm reading this. I'm like, preach to me. Um, but yeah. yeah, you get it from injuries or just like a bunch of other causes. 
So I don't, I can't prove that it's from injuries, but I like didn't have well, problems yeah, my whole life. Sense. And then now I have a lot of problems. Okay. So like, but what is the mechanism that make neck so straight? Is it like scar tissue? I don't know. Like... I know. That's a great question. I want to know the answer to that. What make neck so straight? What make neck so straight? So obviously it like my neck, my head is just forward all the time. It can't rest back unless I just hold my head like this all day. So it's four all the time and it doesn't have that curve to like hold it up. So the back of the neck and the side of the neck muscles are holding my head up all day, which is way heavier than the normal person's neck because of just the leverage on it. And so my like all the muscles around it are just like, oh man. And you saw that it's crooked. So the right side of my neck is in. Is working harder than the other side. Yeah. So it's where I have all the pain and these muscles are like steel cables. When I stretch them, I can't even like. Anyway, so I yeah, lay yeah. on this thing. I know what you're talking about. To like try to get a curve back in my neck. So I try to do that like three or four times a day. Um, so you have a neck curver. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a neck curver. Yep. But dude, I don't know. That's I just wild. ordered a new chair because my new philosophy is don't try to have good posture while I'm working. Yeah. Like lay yeah, down, yeah. like close to lay yeah, down like, with like right, pads right, and like, sh- stuff. As long as I've known you, you've been trying to sit on things that don't have back support to like to have like, like a straight spine i know to like discipline like, december oh no, this problem the issue is spine too straight yeah so dude, less straight i don't know dude, dude. you got what i have which is like the little like i have the curvy head yeah i was looking at that kind chair. of leans back on the curviness i always saw those and thought that that looks like when you sit in a car and cars are the worst thing ever no, but usually, a, well, at least for me, a car headrest normally is like yeah, it pushes the the middle of your head forward, the top of your head, where yeah. that like so sits in the middle. This is very adjustable. Yeah. So I put this down like by my shoulders. Right. Kind of. That's interesting. But yeah, I mean, I just ordered a like cheap it's, Wayfair it's chair for a hundred. Yeah. What? It's what? Well, the headrest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now. Okay. Wow. It what is the chair? chair? It's an Aeron chair. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's what I got. Oh, cool, yeah. dude. So it's just a headrest that like, clips onto the air on chair. Interesting. Yeah, so Mitch has this this new chair, a Wayfair chair that I sat and was like, this is what's up. It like reclines big time, has like lumbar and neck support, and uh, yeah, and has like a foot rest you can kick up. So yeah, I'm going to be a lazy I, boy. I like have thought pretty heavily about getting into the Steelcase family of chairs. Mm-hmm. Just because they're um, so expensive? It's like no, just gotta be the best. So, well, they're way better for tall people. The Aeron yeah. chairs, I think, are designed for like because they have the sizes, right? There's like yeah. A, B, and C or whatever. Uh-huh. And they say like if you're, uh, <laughs> they have like a classic big and tall problem. Yeah, you know, where it's like, hey, if you're over six two, you definitely need a size C, hmm. or if you're over 300 pounds, you definitely need a size C. Okay. I'm like, okay. Oh, funny. So I, yeah, I need a big size and tall C. problem. So now I'm sitting here you're in only the one widest chair in America <laughs> yeah. because I'm tall. You know, where I've heard a lot of people say the steel case gesture is like good for the talls. Hmm. Um, yeah. So anyway. Yeah. That's, uh, that's funny. The big and tall problem. You're one of those yeah. things and the other one uh haunts oh, you dude, you should try buying button downs in this world oh man well like, i mean you I, want a button down uh, where like so when you wear a button down yeah you've got the button of your pants right 
Yeah. Imagine like the button of your jeans. Yeah. And imagine the bottom button of your button down. Right. Where are those two things in relation to each other? Well, there's like the sub bottom button and like that is on my crotchal region. Um with the sub bottom button. Well, you know like how the button downs have and it might just be like button storage that I'm thinking of. I don't oh, wear button you mean downs the, like, often. Oh, the extra button. Yeah, I guess it's just the extra buttons. There's no like but that spot one doesn't for button. Those. That doesn't count as a button. Right. Yeah. So the, you know, the the I, last I, functional button. It's definitely below my belt. Yes, where the sun well, doesn't so shine I as almost much. Almost never have like a situation where the bottom button of my button down yeah is below the button of my pants so you get like bottom shirt spread in the frontal region and you have this little like v of exposed pubis hair uh well i mean mostly i gotta just like (laughs) undies or undershirt exposing my pubis hair (laughs) but um but yeah like it's very hard for me to find a shirt that's long enough to cover me yeah you know and if i do it's like a you know, some brands I can get an XL that's long enough. Okay. But a lot of brands, it's like, I'm going to like, if I wanted a shirt that was that long, it yeah, would have huge. to be a 2XL. Yeah. And like, no one's selling a 2XL Yeah. for for like lanky nerds, you know? You need a like, tailor. That's not... Or you need one of these like, uh, there was a button-down company. There was some venture capital-funded button-down company. Tall skinny boys. I forget. I was unlimited. in Sam, I was in Manfredisco. Yeah. Um, and I wandered into like their showroom and it like had the same vibe as like a Bomba's socks or like uh Jack Threads. One of those yeah. companies, you know. Yep. So I wandered in and I they're on the door, they had like, you know, like that we have long and extra long sizes. And I was like, this is insane like i gotta get in here and see what the deal is yeah because i'm extra long um so i wander in i try on a shirt i'm like this is amazing like how much money would you like for the shirt and they're like oh you can't buy it what what you can do is you can download an app and then you can get a subscription come on and then we'll like send you six shirts and then you can like return some or none of them I was like, Dude. oh man, that sucks because I'm wearing a shirt I would give you $100 for right now because it fits me. Right. And like, that's so rare. But instead, I'm going to not sign up for your app. That's the stupidest thing. Dude, San Francisco is <sighs> the worst. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not tall, but I'm skinny. So I have like the small version of your problems where, you know, like I'm I. Not tall, but I'm skinny. I guess there's a lot of like. <laughs> thin or um like fitted stuff that that works i took me a while to figure that out like oh you want the yeah. fitted shirts that's what you need um yeah you know for your slim I'm, so physique. i do have a couple so cowboy shirts surprisingly hmm. like you know this kind of cowboy pearl button like snap button oh, yeah. shirts that elvis like wears the, uh, or like the chris saka shirt <laughs> who's chris saka the uh, founder he's like of a something capitalist yeah. guy um anyway he's always wearing one okay I know this, well, I, I already knew this, but one day I uh, was hanging out with John Drexler, mm-hmm. who has a biting wit and also a familiarity with venture capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like walked up to, I was in New York and I was like, I'm going to wear this cowboy shirt today. Mm-hmm. 
So I just like wander up to John Drexler. The first thing he says is, you look like Chris Saka today. Nice. And I was like gutted. It was the most gutting <laughs> thing someone has ever said. <sighs> um, anyway, cowboy shirts, surprisingly, there's like a good number of them that are like long. Yep. Um, but other than that, like I have a hard time finding the right shirts. Yeah, man. You need a, you need a tailor and just get big shirts and, you know. I need that? a tailor because I ripped doing that my pants. Um, getting a ta- using a tailor for stuff like that? Totally. Buying a shirt, like buying a $20 or, well, not 20 but like buying like a, say a $40 yeah, shirt. Totally. Right? 100%. And then taking it to a, ta- and so like what is, what's the multiplier on how much you're spending on clothes? At then? this point, you're in the realm of like, you can't really think about money. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so let's say I go out and get ten forty dollars shirts, right? So I've dropped four hundred dollars on shirts. Yeah. Right. And I want to take those to a tailor and get them to all fit me. Yeah. I've bought the biggest shirts in America. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. They all cover yeah, my crossal region. Right. And I want to go to a tailor and be like, make these fit the boy. Yeah. Like how much does it cost? How much do you think that costs? I don't know. Professionals, you know, sixty to one hundred, sixty to one hundred. Don't use a tailor. Are always recommending tailors. I know, dude. I don't use a tailor. Any follow up question, and they're like, "Oh, I've never actually seen." My dad uses a tailor. tailor. Like this is a classic business guy thing. Like he like gets pants, and he's like, "Oh, I need them hemmed. Take them to the tailor." It's like, what, dude? Are you kidding me? You go to somebody to like modify your clothes? That is so classic. Crazy man. Yeah, just do it yourself. Yeah. Not in your life. Although I do want, we we have a sewing machine. Yeah. And part of me, again, I just want to take like a year off and learn how to use yeah. all kinds of weird things, uh-huh. including that's like a, a sewing machine. That's a, uh, I've like kind of avoided that one, but Mitch and cousin John have both like, they both like do their own stuff, you know, like Mitch has made his own pants and like backpacks and stuff. Um, But yeah, cousin John, he, he modifies like all his clothes. Um, so they're all like fitted really tight. He like wears like really tight jeans. And so he'll take normal jeans. It's like whole life. As long as I remember, he takes normal jeans and just, you know, makes them takes tight. Takes them in a little bit. Yep. Takes them in down the have hole. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Um, have you ever heard that audio of Lyndon B. Johnson ordering pants? No. It's great. That sounds great, Daniel. <laughs> it's great. He's just saying, he's telling this tailor, he's like, and I want about an extra inch where my nuts hang down <laughs> oh come on <laughs> that's awesome it's great yeah oh man he's like, he's like, i want to add about another inch, or no he says i want to add about another inch between my nuts and my bunghole that's come on dude <laughs> just linda b johnson legend being a g ordering pants <laughs> uh, you imagine being the tailor who like recorded that right like yo the president's on the horn about some pants. I better record this for my grandkids. Yeah. He just says bunghole on the phone. Dude, that's awesome. Like, dude, I'm so glad I pressed play. <laughs> uh. Oh, man. Um, he thinks Lennon thought he was talking to a person and then it was like, beep. <laughs> He's like, damn it. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. So, yep. So that's that, Daniel. So, yeah. Daniel, good stuff, Daniel. Daniel Colbop boy. Uh-huh. Um, Daniel, I tried out Dino quick for fun. Um, oh, really? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, which, the fire we talk, ship we guy? Bond? 
I think we did because we, you said he's a JavaScript crackhead, and I laughed, oh, and then yeah, yeah. it's now I'm becoming so, more of a dude, like. People a, keep quoting that. I know it's me. so good, dude. I quoted in just like in life. Like I was talking to a friend yesterday who's making like a career decision, and I just dropped like, or you know, like a JavaScript crackhead. And he's like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, dude, get with it." Hell yeah. Um, JavaScript crackheads. Yeah, we talked about Bun, um, Dino, which uh, yeah. Fire so Dino is mostly the DX one. Yeah. Yeah, like not the, the performance. I mean, it is faster. One. Yeah, it is faster. Yeah. but like the the selling point of Dino is like the DX is going to be amazing. We've replaced all this nonsense yeah. node module stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so talk to me about Dino. Um, on Fireship, the oh. YouTuber dude, he says ah, that was for the listener. I wasn't trying to insult your your YouTube strata. Um, he says Deno, and like he's got to know. He's got to know. So it's got to be Deno. He straight up says Deno, but dude, the freaking logo is Dino, the dinosaur. What? Why are you laughing? A lot of people don't like. You didn't watch you, the Flintstones. You're just so charitable, assuming people know things. Dude, he's gotta know, man. He's a nerd. He reads things. He doesn't hear them. Weird. He. Uh, what did I say that somebody correct? Oh, I was saying yin and yang. Like, and somebody was like. It's yin. You were, saying, you were probably saying yin and yang. Yeah, yeah. Say it. It's yin. I know. Dude, I yeah, mean, okay. I already had the asshole correcting me, dude. So, um, Daniel, um, yeah. Fireship Guy. Sidebar on Fireship Guy, Laravel finally got its own Fireship video. I saw video. it. I watched it. And was, dude, it's like hard to watch. Here's here's the thing with the Fireship videos. I mean, good for oh. him. Um, I was excited for this Laravel video, obviously. For the listener, Fireship is, is it the most? And he was nice about it. Yeah, like, he was, he did, no I think, doubt. explain the value propositions well. I think so too. Because I bet he got a lot of flack for his, um, he did a comparison of all the frameworks in one video and like built a simple app with all of them and walks you through like the folder structure and his general thoughts. And the- Did he not do Laravel? He did do Laravel, but he just breezed through it so fast and like his opening statement was like oh there's just like an overwhelming amount of like files and folders with this he said like people love it because of the i don't know whatever he said but he he whatever he moved fairly quickly through it didn't it didn't receive much love in the video like he Mm. it just if i didn't know laravel i'd think like oh whatever who cares this is stupid but i mean come on so i bet a, a and at the end he's like so and what's the answer rails is still hands down the best you know full stack framework of all time whatever like dude yeah. where what hole are you living under um but he so he did a like a laravel video and he did highlight the things he didn't originally like you know he mentioned the create like the care put into it by the creator yeah. so he's aware of that and the ecosystem that's really like tightly coupled or you know yeah, whatever he mentioned all the packages yeah yeah um he actually even had like a good like screenshot of like all the packages on screen. Yeah, he did. So, but dude, watching him write PHP is hilarious. Dude, it's like very like nails on a chalkboard. Some of the things. Dude. Yeah. So, but that probably is probably like anti-idiomatic, like you know, naming like not PSR yeah. twelve at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He had like a lowercase <laughs> class, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, what the heck, dude? But. I, he did an alpine thing at one point i think it was him and it was a similar feeling of like oh man like get get really with the get idioms the, bro get the zhuzh of but the yeah thing. it's got to be tough being him just like needing dude i love 
not to not to fucking crawl too far up your asshole, but I fucking love Alpha. Dude, <laughs> crawl right up in it, dude. You can live in there. You you can live dude, in there. What's that from? Alpha is so fucking good. Whatever. Like, yeah. You think so? I just yeah. Well, s- specifically, I was like, not to. I guess, dude, dude. I'm not even gonna say you it. You can it's live in there. Too, it's warm. It's too big. Too big for you. Um, but. I was just uh, looking at Alpine components yesterday. Yep. And uh, so someone tweeted your new tabs component. Yep. Um, and then yeah, I was like, oh, somebody take, did. take a look. You know, it was uh, Laravel giveaways. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Was like, we're going to give away a right. license thing. Yeah. Anyway, and that like led me to exploring. Um, That's Jason and, Beck's uh, the PR department, you know, making sure we the ship stays afloat. I was just digging back through all the demos because I've never I've never used or bought it, and I was just thinking okay. like I should probably buy and use this because yeah. I was like thinking of like the number of things in my app that I have that it covers. Yep. I was like, this is almost my entire app worth of interaction. Nice. You know. Nice, so. Doyd. Yeah. I mean. Anyway. And they're they're good, and I use them. I like I you know like my Laracon talk. I needed a fly out and a modal and whatever, and I was just like, oh, dude, this is so nice. So just go copy paste, bam. Works like a dog. I really like your radio group. Yep. What do you like about it's a it? Nice radio group. Just the I don't know something about the default styling of it looked really nice. Mm. Yeah, I don't uh, like, fully remember, but felt like I could just like drop that in and it would like make something nice. Look nice, yeah. 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 So I'm still working down this headless UI road to replace uh-huh. them all with headless UI, you know, equivalents. Um, sometime we should talk about this because. Uh, I, I, and I'm, I'm going to put this out there after we get these components done, which at this rate, you know, maybe five years down the road, we'll have the next five done. Um, JK, we're back to it. But after we get these done, what's up, what's up on the docket or, or you not want to say, I just want to do all of them. So I wanted to do the core three first. So modal drop down and oh, 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 I see tabs. Is Sorry, done. That's not what I under, That's not what I heard you saying. I oh. thought you were saying you were like, once we get more components made, that right. we have like a list of that we can't get made. But then I was like, maybe you don't want to say that because then someone's going to. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't have any like definite plan. I mean, there are plans, but I'm, that's not what I was saying. Um, yeah. Just finishing the headless UI roster of components. Mm-hmm. And was I saying about that headless UI roster? Okay. So when that's done, this is the thing I need to do is create a, and I have to talk to Adam, make sure this is cool. It's probably cool. Um, to create a converter so you can just copy Tailwind UI code and paste it in and it will like convert it all to Alpine headless UI um, because it's really close to view headless UI but you know it's not exactly it it can't exactly be it it can just be close um, does Tailwind have view support though yeah I think I thought they only had react no HTML. their templates only have react um, but yeah Tailwind UI has react HTML and view um, huh. yeah which yeah i mean there's been a lot of like you know like people that are like what about you know well you used to just open up the dev tools and get the alpine from the html you know Uh and it's not that way anymore um so there's no way to just get alpine headless ui stuff and uh so i want to create a way obviously that's why i'm doing this and uh daniel so you know there's all these little decisions like Uh Um, in headless UI. So here's an example in headless UI and let's say the tabs component, just to pick a random component, you know, the tabs component, 
there's a specific, and I think it's in this. If it's not, it's in another one, but whatever. It, uh, the tab component <laughs> would get a V slot or whatever, like a scoped slot variable called selected. So you could, and it would be a Boolean if that current tab you were in was selected and then you could style it or something, right? So yes. Alpine doesn't have scoped slots because it's not component based in that way. So I used a magic. So it's dollar sign tab dot selected, which mm-hmm. feels really good. It's like, I'm very happy with that, um, that kind of uh, analog, I guess. Sure. But here's the thing. In some other components, selected is the selected object. Like in the, the list box or the combo box, uh-huh. selected is the selected thing. Is selected. I know. And I freaking hate that kind of thing. But in the really? name of consistency, I for I diverged from headless UI and I have is selected anywhere it's a Boolean you and is active. Hate is? Uh yes. I just hate You hate is named Booleans? Um fundamentally I, you know, I is active is selected. everything should be one word in my dream world, you know. Oh. Yeah. But it, it everything should be either one word or a really long sentence, basically. So like you th- like user.admin should be true or false. Yeah. Um no, I mean I I do is and has. Yeah. For sure. But yeah. with something like this, obviously like Headless UI has the similar sensibilities that like, oh, a little, you know, V scope or whatever V slot. I don't remember how that works. Seeing selected and active. It's just like very pretty. Um, But then, like I said, there's times when selected is the actual thing and you don't know, like you have this conflict. Oh, the other one is open. The dialogue, I think in Headless UI is there's just open, which is a Boolean and then close is a method. And I'm like, that's crazy. You know, I'm not trying to throw shade on headless UI, but I'm just saying that I was faced with this decision of like, if I keep parity with that, then I'm locked into what I think isn't ideal because I think open should be a method that opens. Right. Things. And yeah. close. Um, and so I diverge. So I have is open. And this is the kind of thing that like, so I, like these are decisions that I'm making that it's very close to headless UI, but I'm not, exactly copying every single word because there's times where it either doesn't make sense for alpine or you know um anyway so there's that stuff have you thought about writing like a naming manifesto and then just like cold pring it to headless ui with like no issue and like changing all of their usages of open to is open and just like dude it would get closed so fast be like hi i'm caleb porzio uh Here's here's how you should have written your library. Get fucked. Yeah. That uh that would not that would not go well, Daniel. Um but I should try it anyway. You're right. Daniel, so yes. what am I to do to make this experience easy for people? So you don't have to go copy the view thing and then look at all the, you know, corresponding alpine bits. I need to make something, a machine where you just paste in Tailwind UI and you get uh-huh. out Alpine Tailwind UI. So how how much ongoing work are you willing to do about this? That's a great question. Um, I, I'm because not building it right now because of that. I know but. what the best solution is, and it requires two things that maybe are unlikely. Okay, hit me. One is maintain ongoing work, maintaining. Yep, yeah. maintain like a, a copy, like 
yeah, handwrite basically maintain parody. Yeah, I yeah. know. <laughs> handwrite every example. So that's one thing that might not happen. Well, this and the then, problem with that. One of the problems with that is like I can't just I can't verify that you own Tailwind UI. You know, I'm like I'm sure it so violates all sorts thing, of stuff. That's thing too. Yeah, is that you need to sit down with Adam Weather and make a businessman to businessman deal. Yeah, where you say, Adam, give me a way to verify that someone owns. Tailwind UI, and then I will make a thing where if you own Tailwind UI and Alpine components, yeah, I will just give you access to this page where you get the Alpineified version of all the Tailwind things. Mm-hmm. So I was hoping to skirt around that by just offering a tool that accepts Tailwind UI code to do the conversion, and in that it's kind of implied that like, well, where'd you get the Tailwind UI code? Well, you presumably owned it or stole it, but that's not my problem. Like, uh huh. You know, so I feel like that that just avoids the problem altogether, right? And just kind of, yeah, sure. the The issue though is like, it's a terrible user experience. No, you think so? Yeah. What's the best user experience? So the best user experience. Well, okay. So a number one, the best user experience is there's just Alpine a, in the drop down of Tailwind UI, right? Which you could get with a browser extension. Oh wow, that would be crazy, right? Like yeah, the that would Alpine be wild fire. if I, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. you basically just like, hey, I'm making like Alpine versions of all the Tailwind UI components. Yep. Um, but the problem, I mean, like a sufficiently motivated person could obviously like decompile your browser extension, right? And find a way to get the code. Uh, what do you mean? Get what code? So presumably the drop down, yeah, the way it works right. is like you click it and then like somewhere in Caleb's hosting land, yeah, it pulls are the, the actual components. Right. So I'm sort of trying my goal. Where, and so that the problem there is that you're kind of exposing <clears throat> Adam's product through your API. Unless I create a machine that is intelligent and generates Alpine versions based off of view versions. That's that's kind of right. So that's the dream. crazy. It is crazy. Yes. But because the that will break if the code changes and the amount of maintenance required to keep the machine functioning correctly yeah. is worse than the amount of maintenance required to just rewrite them. Is it though? Dude, rewriting yes, them is percent. like, oh my gosh. But you're right that rewriting. I don't know, man. That is just, it, there's no easy answer here. Why is it not easy? I think easy? there is an easy answer. It just sadly requires you to do business. I don't think think so so let's say i do business and mr wathen goes like jolly good here's an api endpoint that verifies if somebody is part of tailwind ui or whatever Mm -hmm. um okay great now i have to maintain parity with all of these components which the styling changes and i have to keep up with that it doesn't change that much that often yeah i guess not but i think they're doing a revamp right now yeah right 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 and maybe they don't want to in the future so maybe in the future it won't change a lot but right now it's liable to change a lot uh-huh, uh-huh. um so there's that but you just entertain this for a minute if i yeah if i made a machine that takes in the view versions of tailwind ui and spits out alpine versions some things are easy peasy like you know so i don't know i don't know to what extent you can talk about this but like there was a point where uh tailwind ui had alpine in yes and that point that unhappened i'm pretty sure that's over now yep yeah 
Yeah. Is there a is there a it world used to have where, Alpine like, in you get added in to the, the template code again? for a while and then then it that went away and it was just right. used in the actual code to drive out and then was, everything even the yeah. view version demo I think. Um uh-huh. and now I'm pretty sure it's all been rewritten on Next or Inertia uh-huh. or whatever but it's it's in it's React. I'm pretty sure it's all React now. Yeah. Um so is there a world where like they maintain an alpine version of the components again um that would be great uh everybody go go sign a petition or something but no i i doubt it um i don't know i feel like i guess like it's hard to talk about some of these things here daniel um is there a world there is a world but it requires there to be motivation and love and incentive um and and i don't know and then yeah so yeah so there's a world but it's you know it's up to it's up to the the crew um which is you know a very and react it, heavy crew like they clearly are want to distance themselves from view too like they did a whole template thing and just didn't do view um well we all should be distancing ourselves from view. right so <laughs> right i'm not saying that they're wrong um but i guess i'm saying that like man if they're like don't even really want to maintain view and like why would they want to maintain alpine you know i do my argument would be that because alpine is better than view well my it's it's <laughs> that like this covers you for html this covers you for every cms for every vanilla uh-huh. html like landing page for most back-end frameworks it just covers you so phoenix live view people uh turbo people live web, everybody is just covered um yeah so but i mean it, yeah. so let let me be let me be adam while than negotiating against you here great Right. Yeah. Um, okay, Caleb. So I'm gonna take Tailwind UI, my massively successful product that's like very popular, very has a lot of eyeballs on it. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna just like knight you, like as like the official framework. Yep. What's that worth to you? Oh, dollars wise. Yeah. How much are you gonna pay me to do that? Oh, I mean, I don't. That's a great question because um, I would have to think about it. You're talking to somebody who doesn't actually make any real monetary investments um, in business and <laughs> just yeah. put sweat equity in everything. Because um, I feel like that would be like. Yeah, I guess if you like knighted Alpine and it was it was another option in the drop down yeah. um, that in theory should be worth a lot. Yeah, It's worth a lot to the popularity of Alpine. Does that translate to me being more rich you getting money. some yeah. what but not no guarantee like so i don't know i'd i'd give him i'd definitely give him 20 grand right now yeah but that would so but adam if, doesn't care about 20 grand is there a way where like there's a way where tailwind ui and alpine components drive people to each other and like create business for each other like is there a world where like owning both is valuable right. and you're both able to market the fact that owning both is valuable on behalf of each other yeah you know what i'm saying right yeah i like, mean just even if it was just like something at the like at the bottom of the tailwind ui thing yeah where it's like looking for alpine code like right connect your alpine components account and you'll get alpine versions of everything yeah oh i mean that's so i don't care about that 
I don't need him to kick me back um, like customers or anything well, no, because sure sure but like what if you then say like and now everyone who joins from this Tailwind UI account like you guys get to take 20% of right uh, yeah I mean that would be great there would I think a lot of things would have to you're right like that's that's business minded of you um, I think the hard part is the company that we're dealing with here is extremely focused and okay this is tailwind as a company is and i mean adam as a person extremely high standards Mm -hmm. and to the point where like there's sort of this vibe that like like nobody can do it as good as us kind of thing sure you know well you let yeah so what if you let them maintain it (laughs) well right but so there's that so it's it's both like nobody can do this as good as us and we want a laser focus Right. So like both of those things don't really make room for third party ish things. So it either has to, it has to come from them or it has to be completely off of their plate entirely. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for it to come from them, they need uh, it's almost like, okay, maybe there's a ton of people who want it, but there's also a ton of people who want view and they released the templates with just react. So clearly they're willing to leave a bunch of people Uh, a bunch of opportunity on the table in the name of focus and like you know agility so then it's like well why why would alpine so if alpine had enough people that were saying like we really want this it would take a lot of pressure like a ton of pressure from the community and prop and the other thing is is that the alpine crowd is not the javascript crackhead crowd where all the big like famous people are you know crowd seems to be like yeah, so I like it's like you almost would expect that they would do Svelte before they did Alpine exactly because that's the sexy thing, where like uh-huh. Alpine's all the backendy framework stuff, and that stuff's just not like JavaScript pure crackhead sexy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so who knows, man? But who knows? So I, I've I just feel thought like you guys that gotta like, be able to come to a deal here, you know. Like I feel like I think that like with no money going like without like a thing where everyone's incentivized yeah your only option is like the stuff that you've talked about which is like build a generator from the code right and, like mm-hmm. even that's like a little i don't it just sounds like a terrible product to own it does it sounds like a nightmare to maintain no doubt but to me it's a way to provide people with a very valuable thing you know yeah which is right. like hey you don't have to be on a Vue SPA to use Tailwind UI. Like mm-hmm. this is the this is your way out. And if it's done well enough, then the experience should feel really good. Where it's just like, great, pop in the code, get out the code I need, and done deal. Um, yeah, I guess a Chrome extension would be the ultimate. But uh, I've never felt good about any Chrome extension ever, so that just doesn't seem like something I would do. But I don't know. I mean, realistically, though, like yeah. What if he just gave you like a way to know that someone was owned Tailwind UI? Right. And then you just had a page that was like just like a copy of the Tailwind all, UI like, components Alpine version, yeah. With Alpine in there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a world where that that is the kind of thing that I feel like I could pay you somebody. Could business that up. I yeah. that I wouldn't have to do that. Um, because I could just show somebody how to do the conversions. And like yeah. it's it's like not really brainy work. So 
I could pay right. somebody to be dedicated to that task and to make sure, I mean, we could even write an automated system that um, keeps parity or, or that Detect like detects divergence. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so maybe like each component uh, in our system, we store the Tailwind UI version and we store our version. And then there's a machine that cross-references the Tailwind UI version and like surfaces diffs. And there's like some sort of dashboard for this person who's like, I mean, know, they must have a GitHub repo, right? At a certain point, if you're doing business, you could probably just get access to that GitHub repo and monitor that. Yeah, and, and that, see if there's a new tag. I, I would bet that they would let me into that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, like that would be... So you, so you wouldn't need to be like web scraping the Tailwind UI. Gotcha, right, 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 right. Page. But I mean, I could, yeah, I mean, I could get clone or get whatever, just keep my, keep like a separate folder yeah. get up to date and then have something that cross references and surfs whatever um but yeah even just some sort of flag that's like hey they updated this component go go up so then the that would actually is, not you, be bad that is the cannibalizing best alpine components by doing that so i've determined that um i don't want to that i i guess like i want people to be able to use tailwind ui with alpine more than i want anything else for alpine so yeah i'm basically willing that's to, a really good it's a really good thing to have. Yeah. So it's like maybe I could keep more revenue on the table, but there would be, you know, missed happiness opportunity and usefulness opportunity. So and just spread like I would want, you know, Alpine to be more ubiquitous. And the way to do that is to make it work with the thing that people want to use and everybody loves. Um, mm -hmm. So I've just decided at one point there was a turning point. There was a time where I was like really conflicted about that. And there's just a turning point where I'm now like, nope, don't care at all. Like doesn't matter to me. Um, I'll just keep trying to make Alpine components valuable in its own right, like add components that Tailwind UI doesn't have, add more variants, things like that. Um, you know, it's behavior focused where Tailwind UI is not necessarily behavior focused. It's, yeah. you know, styling focused. Um, so make a behavior focused product that hopefully people would want to use or monetize education instead, like, you know, kind of turn it away from being come and copy and paste our code. That's what you use Tailwind UI for and towards um, come and get educated on Alpine and how to use it well, you know? Yeah. But yeah. So I, I guess like maybe and that's kind of why leaning into the headless UI stuff makes sense is that it's like, then you're like making a clear behavior driven distinction. Yep. Where you're like, Oh, it's headless UI. Like we don't even give a shit about the styling. Yep. You know? Right. And I, I think the, the end to game be fair though, yeah. if you did have styling and your styling was sexy, yeah, you would sell more, like if you had like really like crazy good styling, yep. Like your your sales would be higher, probably. Um, yeah, it's funny because I we've I at least like conceded and had the good sense to not just make like black border perfect right, rectangle right. Yeah. things. Like okay, all right, add a little border radius. Well, like if add you a paid a designer shadow. ten grand, you would make more than ten grand back. Maybe. I mean, we paid. Uh, I paid a designer for think one or two of them we paid martin um but i mean we obviously we paid a designer to do the whole landing page and the whole like app yeah, experience yeah. um and i think i think he helped us out with a few of the designs it's possible he didn't i mean that that's an area that is definitely whippy to me and like i know that it's not i mean that's definitely not but I mean, i'm standard, talking about like so. if you had like a unified design language yeah throughout all of the components and they felt like all one thing and like isn't you know that 
like a problem though by like giving people something that makes their thing look generic or is that just like well, that's what people want so just do it well so my thing is you're shipping headless ui yeah so like if they want to do whatever they want to do they can do that i got you so you sell you know what I'm saying? styled version that's yeah. sexy mm-hmm. you know yeah and then you obviously like they're gonna most in most cases like style them how they want to style them yeah but, yeah, it's hard to know. It's a hard. Uh, I think you're right in general that like they should be really nicely styled and they're good enough. Like like the head, yeah, yeah. like uh, the headless UI modal. Um, I just went on Dribble and looked at like as many modals as I could and took patterns from there that were like, oh, this is something I wouldn't have thought to do, but it's going to make it feel better. Um, so and it's and it's like I'm not just ripping off Tailwind's you know modal styling. Um, which is another gray area, which is like, okay, I'm copying headless UI with permission. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. truly matter because it's open source, but like, I don't want to be a jerk. And, you know, Adam is very much of the mind, like, great, like do it. Like people want it, do it. That's better for me. Yeah. So, um, so he's in, you know, support of it, but still like, I can't really bring myself to when I'm writing the docs. Yeah. I could just go and like copy and paste most of it, but mm-hmm. I feel like I'm like, if somebody comes to the page, and sees my documentation and goes, oh, this is really nice, whatever, eventually sees headless UI and goes, oh, he just copied that. Like, that's low, you know? So yeah. I don't want to copy. Um, so I try to write everything by hand and use my own styling and use my own examples and my own code, like, <laughs> yeah, because I just don't want to copy, but um, which makes it harder and, and arguably worse for everybody. But um, But whatever, I just won't. Then I'll feel free to like charge for whatever and not charge for anything if I if I didn't yeah, steal yeah. it. But but the goal is that all the headless UI stuff is free and and available. Um, and then the converter I'd want to be free as well. And then deeper stuff make paid. Um, yeah. The big goal is eventually Livewire UI. Like the mm-hmm. real play for my business in oh, life I'm aware. is yeah. like you know make yeah this thing that is undeniably useful and functional and well styled and just did you ever like dig into i bet you didn't but like uh air yeah i mean i you showed it to me and i looked at it thing that internachi had yep yeah so there's pros and cons and some of air is like obsoleted by blade components now yeah because this is like a pre-blade components world right um but like the one there's a few great things about air mm-hmm. and one of one, one of them was that you could declare a form mm-hmm. and then declare that I forget if it was like as Alpine component mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. You could basically say like put, make an X data. Okay. Give every input that's within this form its own property in that X data and X model that input to that property. Okay. Right. So like it was just this like one liner thing that was like, hey, like I'm declaring a form, put every input in the X data, you know, like all that Mm. stuff. And it was just sick because like now you've got like an Alpine component from just like from nothing. And so like obviously like if you needed to write like custom X data code, then you couldn't. But if all you needed was stuff that you can do in line on the component. Right. It would just be right or on the on the element. Yeah. Right. With like a, you know, like an X show or something. Yep. Um, Like you could just do that in line. So that was really cool. So anyway, I feel like the 
one of the big things that like a live wire UI project could and should have yeah. is like, yeah, all the inputs are good or whatever, but like the concept of forms is like the big important thing hmm. to me. And yep. like the, the concept hmm. of like, Hey, here's a form. Here's all like, you gotta, you gotta not just do the happy path. You gotta think about all the ways that people use forms, you know? What, in what ways? Like, what do you mean? Like error messages, dependent selects, like things like that? Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Uh, maybe even like you've already got kind of like the Alpine, uh, wizard stuff. So I think that that should be like built in, yeah. you know? Yeah. You should think about like multi part forms. Right, right, right. You should think about like, what if the multi part yeah. forms save part of the way through? Sure, right. Dude, if I. If I can and ever crack like that egg, man, detection. If I can crack yeah. that egg in a good way, that's that's world takeover. If I, I guess like the the. Do you remember final, when we worked for that one company yeah, that we can't mention? Grand Wizard. You built a wizard builder thing, yeah. Yeah, dude, I inherited so many code bases from you at Titan. Like that was just kind of like the rhythm. Yeah. Was it like they would send you in on a code base and then you would go move on to another project and then I would live with your code base for like three <laughs> months? Like we never actually worked I know, together on anything. No. But we we worked on the same code base many times. Right. Um, yeah. I was just talking to somebody about the big dusk test suite. Which big dust test suite from the that? The baseball football one? Yeah. Well, that, right, right, right. That, that was like, I just forgot. I was... I think I don't know if it was you I was talking to, but I was talking to somebody about like there was an and alternate path when I was going to be the dust guy. Yeah, we and talked it, about last right, episode. and it was the baseball service that drove out like so many of the dust features that I still use today. Yeah, that I well, love. Like, I was just talking to my mentoring client yesterday um, about dusk selectors, and I was like, "This is actually a Caleb Porzio came out of the baseball service. came out of baseball football." Dude, service. I exclusively use dusk selectors still. Like I never use a CSS yeah. selector. Yeah, only yeah. dusk yeah um but yeah have you installed dawn have you like run dawn yet no i'm uh because i have so much to do obviously yeah, i'm course. i'm gonna wait i would willingly convert everything to dawn um in livewire but it would have to be like ready you know It have to be i'm, I'm kind of waiting until yeah. it, it you're not gonna convert it to the point no where, in the same way that boss chris has been like you know oh i, I don't know if live is gonna yeah. stick around <laughs> right you guys are just out here not converting I to know. each other's packages because you don't know if they're gonna stick around yeah um it's cool so speaking of boss chris i just want to tell this quick little story yeah. so i uh he paid me to explore a thing nice so the it was like kind of money have you heard of remotion no so remotion is a buck effing wild open source library okay where you write react components okay that are videos okay and then you can export a video like an mp4 okay of your so like imagine like <sighs> like you know those little videos that end up on social media where they're like you know, it's like a news story and they like put like, they have like some footage in the background and then some music overlaid onto it. And then there's like the headline and then like the first the first line of the story and then whatever. And it's like a 30 second video that's like covering some news story that the Washington Post has or something. Um, I don't but, know if I know that, but. But they're definitely like computer generated. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's like 
There's some stop. There's some video that someone plugged in. Yeah. There's some text coverage of the story, and there's some like do 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 yeah, music yeah, playing okay. over it. You know. Uh-huh. Um, and you're like, huh? They're generating these somehow. Yeah. You know, like what's the mechanism to generate these? Right. My guess is it's remotion. Oh. Um. So remotion is basically like React components where you can like build video editing in a React component. Make videos programmatically. Interesting. Um, it's absolutely wild. And you basically create a React component. So anyway, boss Chris was like, what if we made a uh, sidecar wrapper around this? Because they have like a Lambda renderer. Okay. For yep. uh, Remotion. Oh, boy. And it was like, dude, let's make oh, a sidecar <laughs> wrapper for Remotion. Okay. Because, you know, they have some internal need, which I don't know. I can't talk to their uh, business goals on a podcast. But yeah. Um, they had like a business need and they're like, what if we had this? But like, I don't want to install node on the servers and like do all this rendering right. and stuff. So like, interesting. what if we made a sidecar wrapper around this like Lambda renderer that they have? Yeah. Um, and so I basically like, we signed a contract for, or we didn't even sign a contract. We we said like, we fist bumped virtually Okay. for, for like two days of me going and like exploring mm. this. That had to be a ball. It was a blast. What do we learn? Obviously, it's a disaster, okay. and you don't want any part of this problem. Of remotion problem. itself, or just the rendering on no, the remotion is cool. Yeah, the renderer sidecar problem yeah. is gross Not. because, like, the one thing that we thought we could do, we couldn't do. Okay, and like, there is a way forward, but it requires us to host multiple custom lambda layers, <laughs> and like. They do all this orchestration of like spinning up and down S3 buckets. Oh, and like, no. It just becomes really nasty. Like we thought okay. we could offload a lot of that responsibility to the existing code. Right. But you can't. Gotcha. So you just have to eat a lot of shit to yep. get there. Hmm. Um, but anyway, it was super cool. And it made me think about the old um, Crystal Lang audio editor yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like I think that like Remotion's API is actually better. Hmm. Um, and so something like oh, that. Oh, interesting. Because you're just saying use it for audio. Use it for audio. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder if I could just like not exactly the Remotion API, because like, but something sort of similar to that, where like even if it was just JSON instead of like nested JSX or something, okay. but like something kind of similar to that, because like they have like. Hmm. fade in and fade out they have like you know all of these things right i'm like i wonder how long how hard it would be to like represent like a no plans to merge episode yeah because it's like pretty simple right yeah there's like daniel's audio caleb's audio yep there's intro music outro outro outro. and and then like the length of the fade is pretty much deterministic yep like yeah and then there's levels stuff right yeah and that's all there is so i was like huh it made me think all this leads into my big topic that I want to still discuss is Go. Oh, Go. Um, can I cap off the Dino for two seconds and segue? Yeah, I'm sorry. You talked about Dino and we took you so no, far. No, no, no. I'm glad we Dino. did. But but if because like I think this is a good like segue back and alley-oop. Um, mm-hmm. The fullness, the extent of the story is I downloaded Dino or installed Dino or whatever just to see its uh, compiled binaries just because I was like, Oh my gosh. Cause you know, we're still chasing this dream that there's, you know, obviously a lot of PHP can benefit from running node code, you know? Um, and 
the i mean one of the biggest of which is like any sort of javascript server-side rendering um but i mean there's a zillion other things obviously and uh so i did it just because i i'm always because i remember compiling a node standalone binary but it took like an extra tool to make it work and it was huge um so i was like ah, it's just too big and so dino just comes with a compile or something like command um, Dino feels really good. It's what you would think it would feel like. It feels like mm-hmm. using um, crystal lang or some kind of, you know, really well put together language that has a nice command line with simple utilities like run and compile and test and yeah. and it runs TypeScript native out of the box, top level async await stuff and um, and then full browser APIs, which is the biggest thing for me is like, oh my gosh, you can just use like a window object inside your Dino code, which is nuts. Um, but okay. I went to compile the binary. Hello world. Console.log. Hello world. Compiled to a binary is 75 megabytes. What? So there's that. Um, and I was like, damn it. I, I thought, I thought for sure this would be some magical cure. And like, I would be using this in the future and like, dude, 75 freaking megabytes for have you tried it in bun? Hello Does world. Bun have binary? I don't know. I, I kind of got turned off to bun because you said it's like kind of a hack. Um, well, I don't know that it's a hack. I just, I'm, this is a pure personality assessment of the person. But didn't you he's say like, there's of, like a zillion bugs and stuff and there's, it's, there are some bugs or I think he's basically been working very diligently on fixing a lot of those bugs. So you think that it's but like, he basically, right. I think just got excited and like put it on hacker news. Cause he was like, look what it can do. It can do so much. And it was a little early and people, it was definitely early and people were just like, well, this is crazy because it's so fast. And then people inadvisably were like, I'm going to try and use this. And it was like, no, 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 it's not really ready to use. It's like, look what I can do, you know? Right. Um, so I think he's working pretty heavily on making it ready to use. Okay. So from what I am just looking, I'm not finding any sort of export binary standalone anything. Okay. So we'll say no for now. Okay. Tell me about Go. So Go's so cool. Um, and I'm interested Go in this as uh has some very annoying things. Okay. Go is like super object oriented, right? No. No. Go is barely object oriented. Oh. Go is I would say not object oriented. Okay. Except that there are objects. Okay. <laughs> and it's pretty oriented around them. There's no extending. Okay which objects like but there is like composability okay um and you're basically composing like there's types right okay and you can put methods on types which makes it object oriented kind of sure and you can combine Um, types and which it would be kind of like sort of inheritance sort of deal yeah composition versus inheritance sure um anyway so that's that but like, here's there's here's the things that are dope about Go. Okay, do I... the concurrency model in Go is hands down like the coolest shit I've ever seen. Okay, it's so cool. So imagine you've got some code, right? Yeah. That does. I'm trying to think of a task. Okay, here. So you know how uh, you can like. Solana, if you want a specific Solana address that starts with a certain number of characters, 
Yep. You can grind that Solana address. Okay. Which basically is like try a bunch of options until you get a public key that starts with Caleb. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no. No. I've okay. come out of the game. Basically, you're just brute forcing. Yeah. Right? You're mm-hmm. just brute forcing uh, things until you get a public key that starts with Caleb. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So say you wanted to write a Go script to do something like that, mm-hmm. right? And you want that code to be able to run on a Motorola Razor. Okay. But also you want it to be able to run on a supercomputer with twenty, like 2,048 cores and infinite RAM. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And you want to write the same code yep. and you kind of just want it to like naturally scale. Yeah. Between like however much. Nice. However many cores are available right. and all, you know, whatever. Yeah. This is what Go is really good for. Gotcha. So it's like dy- like variable concurrency. You could just be like, right. here's a callback so like in- of stuff. Put it on as many threads or concurrently as possible. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You okay? <laughs> yeah. Just. Oh, you didn't hear that? No. Okay. My phone is ringing. But it's ring Like, I ha- it's on vibrate. I'm not, you know. Mm-hmm. My, uh, well, I'm the sure MacBook. they're hearing the audio. The MacBook. This, this got you know compressed by Zoom, so I didn't hear it. Right. Okay. Right. Speak to me. Speak to me, Daniel. Okay. So in normal languages, uh, there's concepts of threads. Okay. Right. Yep. So like in Java or whatever. Yes. Like if you want to have like concurrency in Java, like you like make a new thread. Yep. You know. Um. Go has these things called uh, Go routines. Okay. Which are basically closures. Okay. Um, where the, the syntax is just funk and then arrows bracket. Okay. You know, so it's funk. Yep. That's just like a closure. Yep. So you just write a closure, but in front of it, like where you would put async yeah. in JavaScript, you just put go. Okay. So you say go funk, mm-hmm. whatever. And what you're saying in doing that is this is a go routine. Mm. Um, when you make a go routine, what you're telling the language is, hey, this thing doesn't really need anything from the outside world. Gotcha. It's self-contained. Yeah. So if you've got a thread, I'll take it. Yep. If you don't have a thread, just like run me when you get to me. Cool. Can you pass stuff into right? it? So there's a mechanism for that. We'll talk about it in a okay. second. Okay. Um, but the the idea there, right, is that like you don't have to think about yeah, that's what so threads cool. are available, right. how many threads there are, it just does any it. of that stuff. You just start writing Go routines, and basically you're saying like, "Hey, if you if there's a thread, I'll take it. If there's not, right, whatever, you know." Yeah. So you're basically like hoping for concurrency. So you kind of write all this code where you're like, "Well, like if there's concurrency, there's concurrency. If there's not, there's not." Yep. Which is sick. Like that's just amazing. To yeah. Because it's like, oh yeah. So if it's on a Motorola Razor, like the one's gonna run, and then the next one's gonna run, and then you know, blah blah blah. Yep. If it's on like, you know, the large had large hadron collider or whatever, yep. <laughs> like then like I'm gonna be running like fifteen million threads in concurrency. Same. And it's gonna be dope, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So that's super cool. Then there's these things called channels. Okay. So channels are um channels I'm trying to think of like the, what the best way I think the most interesting thing is about channels is to use them as syncing between go routines okay right so say you need to sync your go routine okay say you have a bunch of go routines that all have a for loop yep right but you don't want to do the second iteration of the for loop until everything until the, did first the first iteration has succeeded on all routines. gotcha you know cool so what you can do is you can create a channel 
Um, and then that channel can like, what a channel is, is essentially like a, like a stack that you are pushing values onto. Okay. Right. Yep. And the syntax is awesome. It's just an arrow. Okay. There's a backwards arrow and a forwards arrow. Mm. And so you can basically say like variable arrow channel. Okay. And then you're saying like store this variable mm. into the channel. Okay. Or you can say variable uh, other arrow channel. And then it's and like kind of read this variable out of the channel. Flow like. Yeah. It's almost like a yield kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like generators. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what you can do is in your for loop on the last line, you can say, read a variable out of the channel and it will just wait there until there's a variable from the channel to yeah, read. Yeah. Nice. Right. So okay. it just like holds until a new variable. And comes can you down control channel. channels externally? Like, could you set like a, a button on your desk to be like a channel? Yep. Like, yep. come on, dude, no way. Yep. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Wow. So, um, as I do when I like get obsessed with a new language, yeah. you what do you do? You write a RuneScape bot. Nice, right? Nothing better so, to do. So what I my bot actually doesn't work in RuneScape yet because RuneScape actually has like a bunch of variables that are annoying. Okay. Um, but I made an Alpine page oh, that is like simulate a, runescape right that is a simulation of runescape yeah you showed right? me this it's like it's like uh for the listener in runescape there's like a you know a stone that you walk up to that you click to start mining and after a certain amount of time the stone like loses its ore and it visually changes and you get the ore and whatever so daniel just made like blocks on a page that behave that are the like same one color way. when they're depleted right. and one color than when they're not depleted. But it's just like a div with a color that you just like click. So yeah. and I like randomized the length of time that it takes each of them to deplete, which right. is true to RuneScape. And then I also made an inventory. Right. And then the each bank, time an yeah. ore is depleted, it adds a new thing to your inventory. Yep. And then anytime you click on something in the inventory, it drops it. Sweet. And like it drops them in the correct order. Like mm. it's not like dropping it from the end of the array. Right, it's right. Like dropping the actual one that you uh-huh, clicked. Uh-huh. Um, so it's it's exactly like RuneScape. Cool. And there's also a status indicator, which you can get using some of the Rune, RuneScape third-party clients. Okay. RuneLight. Yep. You can get a status indicator to say whether you're mining currently or not mining. Nice. Currently. Yep. So you can use that. So, yep. so I have a status indicator that says I'm either currently mining or not currently mining. Mm-hmm. I have three rocks on the screen, which say either I have ore right now or I don't have ore right now. Okay. And then I have an inventory that says that's like here are twenty eight items. You either there the spot is either full or not full. Yeah. Right. And so I wrote a little bot that basically just like mines rocks on cooldown. Like as soon as Go has a library to do stuff with the screen and the mouse and stuff. Yes. Well, C, so this is the thing. C has a library to do things with the mouse and the screen and stuff. Okay. And Go naturally can just, there's like, Mm. it's very easy to write wrappers for C libraries in Go. So there's a massive, massive number of Go packages that are like under the hood are just C libraries. Right, right, right. But it's just a Go. This is like, like you can do that in PHP, but you need to, it needs to be an extension, right? To like use C bindings or whatever, but Mm -hmm. uh, okay, dope. But this is like compiled, so like it doesn't matter. That's awesome, you know. So anyway, there's like a C library that like does stuff with the screen, and then there's there's this uh, the actual there is a, it's actually a Go library called Go 
I forget what it's called. Maybe it's like called Go Commander or something, um, which is basically like a screen and mouse and keyboard yeah. library. Cool. It's like an automation library. Yep. So using that, awesome. basically, I'm like watching the screen. Yep. And then like I'm on cooldown. Like if the rock, if I'm not mining and there's an available rock and my inventory is not full, then mine it. Yep. Otherwise, empty my inventory. Otherwise, wait until that those situations are the case. Right. You know? Yep. And uh, so the cool thing is, like, you can have multiple routines going at the same time. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. So I have one routine, which is just, like... So in RuneScape, there's three ticks in a second. Okay. So the game tick rate is gotcha. three per second. Okay. So I have one thing that's just taking a screenshot three times a second and analyzing it and, like, getting the state of the world. Yep. And shoving the variables that I care about, nice. which are, am I mining? Uh, into channels. What's the state of my inventory? And which rocks are currently available? Uh, just shoving those down channels. Right. So that's what, like the whole job of this routine is just like take screenshots, so get the info, cool. shove the info down channels. Okay. Then I've got another routine, which is just a for loop, which says like, uh, if I should be mining right now, mine right now. Yep. Right. Then I've got another thing, which is like, a, if I should be emptying the inventory right now, empty the inventory mm. right now. And and all of the they're f- just like they're controlled by the channels, like every tick. They're all controlled by channels and right. they are each able to like shove things into channels. So right. like if I'm emptying my inventory, I shouldn't be mining. OK. Right. Right. So the empty my inventory thing just like shoves a like don't do anything for a second uh, down to the dude. This is mining such a channel. fascinating way to control flow asynchronously. It's so goddamn cool. That's cool. Right? And it's cool. It's great, too, because it's like taking screenshots and analyzing images for pixel colors and like doing all this mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. like is pretty process intensive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So multi-threading is great because like now I'm just like w- one of one or two of my cores yeah. is like off doing that. Yeah. But like I have another core that's actually running the bot, mm. you know. Yep. So it, it's just so cool. You know. Dude. Yeah, that's wild. That's like that concept is just such an attractive concept in general that sort of stepping through flow kind of thing, especially if you don't yeah. have to control it. Like if it's just done, if you just rely on the right, you know, very whatever, just pulling variables out of the sky and it's done for you. But yeah. uh, the like with the with morph with the morph that I wrote, um, I think I factored this out. I'm not sure, but. At one point, it's like, oh, it'd be so helpful to step through each specific operation so I can watch the thing morph and find where the algorithm is off. Um, and I would do that with just a step debugger in Chrome. Did I show you this? I like, I just made no, a simple like break, breakpoint function in JavaScript that's just like manages its own flow in a sense where it's just await breakpoint. And uh-huh. that's just a function that returns a promise that doesn't resolve until you do something else. Like you can, there's a, a like separate a, function. Global or something. It's just a separate global function called step. And so uh-huh. once that's called, it advances to the next breakpoint. Yeah, then you yeah, call yeah. it again and you can just wire that up to a button. So you can basically just step through your code, which is just wicked cool. Um, another random tangent on the same thing. Uh, ben Eater, a YouTuber that Mitch turned me on to. Heard, heard of this guy? Uh-uh. Eater like eats food. Yeah, dude, this guy's a legend. He's gonna change your your life. He like programming guy. Yeah, uh, basically, kind of hardware 
but programming. Okay. He okay. Uh, he was a Khan Academy guy. Um, huh. So three blue, one brown. You ever heard of that guy? He's a math YouTuber, another ex-Con Academy. Amazing dude, whatever. They're both an friends. Ex-con. An ex-Con. Ex-Con. Okay, so Ben Eater, he creates, like he did an 8-bit computer from the ground up. Like we're going to start with transistors and we're going to go up. And so he sad. made a video card. Um, and a dude, it's nuts. Like the guy goes so unbelievably deep and is such a good educator. It's just like tech porn. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but he made for a, like, you know, like every CPU has a clock. Like that's like every computer has a clock that it's like how fast it like prompts the CPU to execute the next instruction. Yeah. yeah. Obviously that's like, what if your computer is like 1.2 megahertz, which is slow now, whatever. Yeah, that's the like, clock that's speed. the clock speed. Um, so he's like, well, you know, instead of having like a, you know, he's showing you how all the different ways you can achieve a clock and, yeah. um, like a crystal, uh, oscillator or whatever, like those types of things. But he's like, or we can wire up these five, five, five timers and make them like a stable, whatever. He's got this breadboard rigged up where he can just like hit a button and it will advance the clock one instruction. So he like, he takes like, Ooh, he makes like a manual. Clock. Yeah. Like for actual existing computer chips and stuff. So he's like, well, let's just take this clock pin and attach it to our thing and now no he's way. literally like stepping through binary like counters it's nuts that's wild. super nuts he's like let's turn let's turn the speed down it's just got a little potentiometer like let's crank this down to like two <laughs> clocks a second and you're just watching like a computer execute instructions in slow motion but anyway that's so wild. i'm just like real into anything that is stepping basically yeah. <laughs> but well, this is what i'm saying it's like you gotta dig into this go routines and channels it's sick it sounds amazing it sounds like a really great way to even just program in general let alone yeah. because well, it's, like well, it's like it makes you think like could could we replicate something like this in javascript with async right like yeah could we build this like as like a library yeah you know? yeah let's like, think about that so if you had a variable like let could, a wait, dude, you I totally just could. You just about Go dude, real quick you totally could. Before we move totally into JavaScript world dude. from this prompt. Okay. <laughs> but so Go. Here's the downside of Go. Okay. There's not like an array literal with a bunch of sick methods on it. Okay. Yeah. You're just writing goddamn for loops all the time. Okay. What is that like? It's, what do I do that in? It's bad yeah like imagine you want to filter an array yeah what do you do you make, a new, let, you make let a new let let resolve empty array <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and you have like and it's like yeah so i go on i'm like people must be like solving this there must be packages about it there are nobody uses them they have like three downloads huh it's and you you ask people and they're like no no that's not idiomatic we don't do that and go we yeah. write for loops Dude, I'm trying to think where I write for loops, but I do something in my programming life, or I did, where I write a lot of for loops exclusively. It's got to be, so it's got to be you have a bunch of async things going on at once, but you want them to happen synchronously. That's the only time I write for loops. It's probably the... the If I need to make like a thousand Solana requests, but I want them to go one at a time, I write a for loop. Maybe it's um it's probably a bunch of alpine internals that that benefit from the speed of a for loop because like the for loop is the fastest thing. Like huh? it's like the fastest iteration unit. I don't think anything's mm-hmm. faster. So I think a bunch of like the um things like the mutation observer, X4 rendering, and morphing all need to use like for loops because 
this just like big speed improvement. Um, so anyway, I don't know, but I feel like I, I entered a paradigm where I was exclusively using for loops and thinking like, you know, this ain't so bad. Once I went back to my normal programming life, dude, I use for each loops like somewhat often. There's, mm-hmm. they're just, but I, I, I hear you. I hear you. It's definitely not ideal. Yep. Especially in array though. Come yeah. On if you're creating that empty, you know, that variable with the empty vibe. array, no doubt, no doubt. Um, okay. Right. Anyway, so, that's, so let's that's talk about go. if we wanted to implement uh, routines and channels. Right. But like not, right. It's like not multi-threaded concurrent just for the the controlling the flow. Yeah, just the flow control. Okay, so let's say that we create a function called, let's just, can we call it yield? Are there generators in JavaScript? I don't Um, think there are. I don't think there are. So let's just use yield. So we'll make a function called yield that's asynchronous. So if I have like let let name equals or let's say let count equals await yield and then i guess await yield and then a string and then the called count the <laughs> yeah right so i just call it let's just call it count so uh-huh. let count equal await yield pass in string count yes and then this is in a in a function i guess like that it's wrapped up in a callback called like what are we calling it the thing that like makes it all aware of yields and stuff channel i don't know block sure. go let's well, call it go can we use go or is that taken no do, do yeah, is taken. go okay so it's a function a routine, called go maybe. all right routine okay but the idea of go routines is that like you can just call them anywhere and like the channel calls don't need to be inside the routine like the channels could be global if you want but getting it out of a channel has to be inside a routine, right? A routine. Putting it into a channel could be anywhere, but getting out of yeah, a channel. Yeah, but I think the idea would be that you would like pass it by reference. Like I think you would have to pass a proxy by reference, basically. Hmm. Okay. Well, regardless, let's so let's say we have a function called routine. So I call a routine. I pass a callback in that has let count equal await yield count, and then below yes. that I say console.log count. Yeah. And now I want to control that flow from another routine or something. Um, yeah. So maybe let's make a button event listener for like an HTML page. Uh-huh. And in that listener, in that listener callback, we just say like step or push or something or a sign maybe. maybe it's- I kind of like. What if we use two channel and from channel? Dude, no way. We could say to and from, but come on, Daniel. Push and pull then. Push and pull. Okay. Push and pull. All right. So await pull count. And then anywhere else in the code, we'll say in a button event, event listener, we say push count. Yeah. Second parameter is a number. Mm-hmm. And I guess right above it, we could say pull count and then count plus one, you know, if we wanted it to increment in that way. Um, But okay. So the code for this, I mean, let's just like first like revel in that experience. That's a fun experience, right? Like that's a cool. Okay. Can we get away from the actual uh, using a string for the name of the channel? Okay. And just have the channel be a variable where it's like okay. count dot push and count dot pull. Huh. Ah. Uh. I guess we could. It's just semantics, I suppose. Yeah. 
Because like I would like to basically say like count equals new channel and then a type in TypeScript. Mm. Or like new channel value colon number. And so now I'm basically saying this is a channel that will always have numbers in it. I guess and just that 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 like count dot push or count dot pull to me is the, the, the dot is what makes me feel less good about it. But it does, does avoid that feel less good than saying push and then having a random. String yeah, the string doesn't real. feel great. Yep. Yeah. The ideal is that we just say count, let count. Let's just first make sure we can't do this. Can we just do like a let count equal pull await pull? <laughs> is there any way that like only if we want to only have one channel at any time? Right, but like, is there a way to distinguish maybe, like, with a stack trace or something, finding like the oh, line by, like, of a knowing declared what the variable name is, something, something like that? Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, let's just make sure that that's bad. Is that oh, bad? bad? I mean, yeah, dude, it would look awesome. Yeah, but then you're like having to basically say that like it would be hard to this push. Variable has to be called count in every context. Yeah, right. Well, how does Go do it? They you pass you tell it what channel you're pulling out. Oh, and the channel is a ch channel is a type. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So you just say like variable. Yeah. Equals right. Backwards arrow. Right. Parentheses the channel. And what's the channel? Is it an object? It's yeah, like well, an instance of something. It's, it's a thing. Yeah. yeah it's a thing. It's an object. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like okay. Um. And when you created that, you said what new channel like like foo equals new channel or something. Some Go equivalent of that? Yeah, let's say a Go equivalent of that. And you don't have to name it or anything, you just create this instance. Well, you I mean, you name it by storing it in a variable. Right. Okay, so let's say the top of our file now is let count equals Equal new, new channel. channel. Or whatever then, we want. Maybe it's just channel as a function. maybe we say new channel number because we want to specify a type in type. Dude, you with the types, dude. You changed. You changed. I did. Ever I did since change. you went off to Web3, you came back seeing types, No, here's dude. what happened. Here's what happened. Dude, I know what I happened. Actually, I was in that code base. No, 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 no. Here's what happened. I wrote my own code base with TypeScript. This is what happens. This is how people become TypeScript. Okay, yeah. Once They become not TypeScript people by working by on someone reading else's TypeScript, TypeScript code. TypeScript code. <laughs> yeah. But once you write your own TypeScript code, then you're like, oh, this Okay, is got it. That's how it works. Um, <laughs> okay, Daniel. So let count equal channel as a function, just because we got to keep it functional if we want it to like be yep. successful. And then in our routine, um, it, it needs to be inside a routine so that it gets called again. Um, so we call routine, pass in a callback, and we have console.log um, count.pull, await count.pull. Well, let's do a for loop. Let's just do a for loop so we can do the... Why a four? Oh, oh, okay. Because in what I'm describing, we're just implying that like anytime there's a so new a value available. Let's do a for loop that says, mm. in, so inside the for loop, right? Yeah. We're going to say const output equals await count dot pull. You use const too, Daniel? <laughs> yeah, of course. It's a constant. It's not getting modified. What is wrong um, with you? I, I never okay. use let. Dude, I, I exclusively only... use let. If I see const, what? I'm like, garbage. Okay. You're sick, man. Yeah. So, um, okay. Const output equals what? Const output equals uh, await count dot pull. Okay. Then 
console log count. Okay, and it's like right? for looping through what? So it's basically so what this for loop basically is, you you or it's just a while while true. Right. Right. Okay. While true. So we could leave off the while, but sure, let's put it on. Let's do it. Well, we want it. We want it to be a loop that goes forever. Right. I was kind of envisioning that, like, I guess that the loop was in the definition of routine. That, like anything in a routine is just no, like a routine is just a function. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you got routine, then you got while, and you got your schmeckle thing. Um, yeah. Okay. So you got your while loop, and then you got your and so console you're basically dot log. Like anytime something gets pushed pull. into this thing, yeah. await, get it. And then yeah, let it continue executing, right? Print it. Okay. Right. Yep. So then we have our button listener somewhere else in the code, top level. And when a button is clicked, well, first we can get it with the pull. We could count dot pull again. Mm -hmm. um, and then to get the count, and then we just count dot push count plus one or whatever. And Correct. that's the experience. Yep. Okay. So here's the thing that I think we need to pair this up against. What we've accomplished is the flow of go routines, right? Uh, yeah, we've, well, we've accomplished the flow of channels. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if we actually need go routines in this instance. We could just maybe just have channels. Okay. Yep. Channels. Um, but we have, um, well, we need some sort of wrapper for the channel to like a context to know like that while loop has to be inside of some asynchronous wrapper, you know? Because we can't hold up the whole flow of the program correct, correct, on correct. that you're while right, loop. Right, right. So yes, okay. So um, that's why we need routines. That makes sense. Yeah, we need some container. Okay, so um, we have routines. We have channels. Yeah. Uh, so let's compare this. Like we can do it, and then I guess like to implement this wouldn't be that big of a deal at all. Like so, this is where you, the the king of proxies, have more knowledge than we I. We don't need proxies, don't we? We don't. So how do we react to yep. this thing changing? Right. Okay. So the we so this routine function uh gets passed a callback, right? Yes. And we run it once. We we run it initially, as soon as it gets started, okay? We run the callback that's passed into it, and that um that dot pull on the channel, dot pull is is an await right mm -hmm. and so that's an async function that dot pull and that is just gonna halt basically like let's just say that it returns a promise that let's just say does nothing right now mm -hmm. which would halt it right basically i think what we would need to do is channel returns just like a plain javascript object with two methods the first one is get or push and the other one's pull right mm -hmm. and and right okay so when you call routine we are like setting some global that has like the signature of like maybe the callback you know so the callback is a variable in memory you know that routine callback and we set that as like current routine callback as a variable somewhere right okay makes sense I think so. So so when we define routine... I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. I yeah. think you have a misunderstanding that's going to be revealed in a second, but keep going. Okay. Then inside of pull, we say, like, get the current thing, 
and like attach it to the channel basically like the channel object keeps track of all the handlers that depend on it yes so that uh and that that asynchronous function that pull is held up right now then yeah. push loops through all the handlers or i guess what does push do push just ticks pull forward i guess maybe root yeah maybe it just ticks pull forward and it doesn't matter yeah dude yeah. it's simple oh it's way simpler than i was even making it yep so what do you mean by ticks pull forward right so let's say that channel has a property called current value or something right so mm -hmm. let's say current value mm -hmm. that starts off as null okay mm -hmm. yeah the await part is the weird so part. i think channel actually mm. needs rather than current in current uh value i think it actually needs an so it does need a current value mm. but it also needs an index or like a value index so that if i push the same value onto it it twice, doesn't tick no it should tick oh it does tick okay if i push onto it it shouldn't matter that i push the same thing right it should still advance it should still everything that's awaiting a new value yeah. should still get the value even though it's the same value they already had yeah. because it might mean that a another for loop instance is going to happen right okay here's how it works daniel our channel is a javascript plain object with two methods push and pull right and two properties value and index not yet here's what we do we have one property and the property is pending promises or whatever okay so when you call okay. pull you're creating a promise storing it as a property in that array and then you're returning an asynchronous you're returning a promise with um that only resolves when that newly created promise is resolved okay and forwards the value does that make sense yes I understand the concept. I don't I don't understand the mechanic of how we make that happen. So so then in push, when you call push, it takes that value, it loops through all the promises and the pending promises property, and it resolves them with that value and wipes them out. Every time it resolves them, it takes them out of the pending promises bit. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then that's it. That's the machine. What do you think? Okay. So I, I think there's like some lack of clarity for me about like how JavaScript handles this. Okay. Because like, so which, where is the promise? Where The promise lives in the channel object. Yeah, a bunch of them. So because that's you where can... it's like, right, right. There's, a, there's an array of yeah. pending, pending promises. Right. Right. Yep. And they all live in the channel object. Yes. Um, that's like the master copy of that promise. And then is it, so how do we make the other promise inside yeah. not resolve until that promise? Right. So let's say. So does it get passed by reference into a handler or something? Well, yeah. It's just available in the lexical scope or whatever. So like, let's say inside the. Can you, can you like tell me yeah. the actual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's the function called pull, right? And on pull, first line is let pending promise equal new promise okay mm -hmm. and now this dot pending promises push pending promise or whatever so we're adding it to these to the stack yes. we created it and we added it to the stack okay mm -hmm. now new line return new promise 
and i mean straight up we could just use async await uh like syntax we could literally say return pending promise or re yeah return pending return promise await pending promise um no just return pending promise because we're awaiting outside so, oh right, right, right. So we can just return pending promise. I made a useless oh, extra okay. wrapper I promise. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So the pull is just returning one of the promises from its in a pending promise array yeah. of promises. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So there's probably some stuff that we need to consider about, like the order. Yeah, like that promises. It, it might get not registered. matter. Well, so like imagine a new value gets pushed on. Yeah. Right. Yep. We theoretically want to like loop through the things. And since we right. don't actually have concurrency. Yes. Right. We probably want to loop through them in the order that, that they, they came registered. in. So if we just push and yeah. pop, we're good. Yeah, I think so. So push on a pending, pop off a pending. Um, I think the only or weird unshift, thing. I think. Not pop. Uh, right. Because that would be. Unshift takes the first one. Right, right, right. Yeah. Push and unshift. Yep. Um. I guess the only like weird thing that I think would work, I think this is just one of the things that the order will work out, but if we pop or unshift one of those pending promises and resolve it with a value and which then resumes that routine mm -hmm. and in the routine, if they push another value, like if they're, if we're mixing like pushes and pulls in the same routine, then it mm -hmm. would like, you know, trigger some, right. I, so we'd have to figure have that to out. we have to have like another temporary variable yeah. that's like, once this current loop of things is resolved, then replace it with this one. Or or it's like a recursive thing where there's like a current pending promises. Like there's pending promises. And a pending, pending promises, yeah. Basically, there's an array of arrays, I think. And it's like the current one is the, the like... Oh, they're like frames or something. Yeah, basically. And when you're like running through a frame... If there's anything else, like if you're current, maybe there's some method on the channel called like is in frame or whatever, or current frame. And then when you do that pull, you go, if we're currently in a frame, push this onto a new frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And like, what if those things are indexed? Like, what if it's like an object with keys? Yeah. Right. And the key corresponds to the current index of the... I guess we don't even need any of that. We don't need no. We could just have like whatever. We just we, have frames. We could have and then a we just, frames. Yeah, we just unshift, and yeah, then at the end of a run, after we're looping through all the pending promises, we do a check to see if there's any available frames, and then we continue looping through those. We're basically yeah, recreating the JavaScript event stat. loop. Is what yeah, we're yeah. doing. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is good. This is cool. Yep. Um. This is the kind of thing where we either like have created a fun little mechanism that could like be interesting and fun to play around right, with, maybe like even controlled flow. Or yeah, it could be like, guys, you just recreated like just some basic concept in JavaScript, which I mean, I think we should take the while loop out and bake it into the routine that like routines. So I don't. So this is this is the misunderstanding I thought you might have had, but it sounds like you didn't. But like you don't want. So like the while loops are like the easiest my favorite use case of channels okay. but there are lots of other channel use cases that aren't loopy okay what's an example right? uh just triggering a bunch of long-running processes for example um but then so don't like, you want to like re-trigger them when something new is set no let's let's just say we don't right okay so like let's say like let's say i have like a 
just a bunch of uh, I don't know Solana requests or something I have to do. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That like take a long time, could fail, need to have retry logic, like all this other bullshit. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um. So when a new when a new re- like request comes in that I need to make, I'm just going to trigger a Go routine that goes and does that thing. Yeah. And like handles all the retry logic and whatever. And then if another thing comes in, I'm going to create another one. And then I'm going to create gotcha. another one. So you're, yeah. You know uh-huh. So like, I'm basically just saying like, hey, like go do these long running things. But let's say that I want all of those things to like hold up halfway through the project. Yeah. Or halfway through the process. Yeah. And not advance further. Then you use channels for like a single one Then I would use a channel to say like, hey, do the coordinate first 10 them. instructions. Yeah. But like stop after the 10th one before going on to the 11th one until everyone's on the same page. Right. And then we're going to, you know. Yep do this do the next thing so like say which I is less like useful in javascript for like a lot of uses where in like go you would probably want to coordinate uh simultaneous so I don't think that's necessarily requests true. but okay i don't think that's necessarily true so like let's imagine like i have like an app right and yep. in my back end of my app i have like a bunch of uh yeah users or whatever right right yep um and i want to change all of their usernames yep right and then once all of their usernames are changed, I want to change all of their roles. Yeah. Right? So what I would basically do is just say like, hey, start this operation that like goes and gets the user, right. figures out whether or not they're eligible for the username change. If not, just returns and ends the process. If so, it changes their username. But for some reason, we don't want to do the role change until all their usernames have already been changed. Yep. Right? So then I'm just going to say like, Hey, like, wait until you hear back from everyone that their username has now officially been changed and they're ready to be updated. Mm-hmm. Once that's happened, maybe take all the IDs and then do one big request that, like, we do like an attach or something, right? Or like a like a sync. Yeah, it's on like a, a promise dot all kind of. Yeah, like vibe. a promise dot all situation. Exactly. So here's here's the um, the transducers equivalent thing where it's like, oh, Daniel, we've well, just recreated X. Um, um. And it's not exactly, but I think a lot of the cases that we would find this interesting, and I think there is an edge for here, but I think this is like, we've just recreated reactivity, like views reactivity or any sort of mm-hmm. um, observable reactivity bit. Um, so like in Alpine, if you say, and this is in Alpine, you could be like, Let, let's build this same thing, this button counter and this like, we just created this where you say count or state or something equals alpine dot reactive count colon zero or something so we like yes right and then we have effect which accepts a callback so in view this would be like watch effect where you pass in a callback where you console dot log you know count or whatever and then in the button handler you just say like count plus plus or something so it's effectively the same exact thing where you're like stepping flow like you're triggering some callback to rerun with a new value after you've changed it in some other part of the system. Um, so we've basically recreated that, right? Like mm-hmm. reactivity. And I think that's like a big reason why I've loved, like as soon as I discovered that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the way and why I like wrote all of Alpine and now Livewire using that paradigm. Um, but here's here's something that this does solve, I think. When you explicitly, so this is maybe something that would more be internally used. Um, but when you explicitly create a channel, Okay, here, here's the benefit. With 
uh, with like views reactivity engine, there's a map kept, a dependency map because it's like, and it uses proxies and all that stuff to basically automatically detect all the dependencies inside an effect and keep a map of them so that it knows, right? And that's like super memory intensive. That's the big problem with, with views reactivity engine is that necessarily to achieve the niceness of just like the, the user of it doesn't have to worry about calling like dot pull or dot push or, you know, or like referencing a channel that they created. They just right. get to just deal with data and it all just works. Um, right. Where with the channel thing that we just designed, the growth, the memory growth is only these promises and the promises are empty. They're empty promises mm -hmm. uh, that don't reference any memory things. So you're not going to deal with like memory leaks. You're not going to deal with big memory bloat where the more effects you have, it, it basically is like, I don't know what the word is. I don't think it's linear exponential. Maybe it's quadratic or something. How it like it just the memory usage increases every time you add an effect by the right. however big the stuff you're using inside it is, which just sucks. So mm -hmm. anyway, and makes things slow um, the more you use effects. So I don't know. I'm just sort so of So I think the interesting there. thing here is like, I don't think most people are using anything like reactivity in the user land code right now. You don't think so with Vue 3 composition API? Like everything's a ref. So I actually... I actually, no, no, so I haven't actually like done any composition API. I actually just had a conversation about how I haven't done composition okay. API yesterday. Because that that is like straight up now. This is like you used to use Vue this way, but didn't know it, and now Vue sure, three. Sure. So yeah, yeah. You so use I, I this mean, obviously, and people are like using like use effect and stuff. Like people are are depending on reactivity, right? But I think people aren't like, if I was writing like a Node script or something, yeah, like I'm not using anything like reactivity. No in my node script no nope. you know it's like people who write code just like regular frameworkless javascript code yeah basically like not not browser why is it why is like that people are depending on the reactivity engines of the front end frameworks that they're using yeah but like people aren't basically like the the concept of like reactivity as a thing that's accessible to people besides framework right. maintainers hasn't really like broken through. I do think that that is wrong. Like I said, like I think with Vue 3's composition API, it's idiomatic to create uh -huh. refs and watch effect, yeah. you know, for ref changes. No, but that's what I'm saying is like, but you're still using like the view right. thing. Right, but I mean, it doesn't matter like this. I think I think the point you have is that that when you're on the server, you're not writing, you're, you're not like controlling the flow of your code based on creating like stateful objects and then mutating them and having effects that run when they're mutated, where what we've sort of described this channel concept, mm -hmm. you might, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't That's because what, what you're designing, I think a big difference here is this paradigm becomes useful with long running processes, which a browser is and which a, a, a macro or whatever, an auto bot thing is. But right. generally, like server stuff isn't really long running. There's lots of server stuff that is like because whatever, just a bunch yeah, of API some requests, yeah. a bunch of database reads and writes. Like, well, not really though. Like, to me, like even though obviously Node's a long running process, forget that. Mm -hmm. The a Node request, like handling a web request, is a very synchronousy thing. It's not like a hang out here and keep like a web socket open with the friend. Even even when it is, 
Yeah, I guess. Okay, what I'm saying is there are Sorry things. For the listener, I just made a face. When yeah, he yeah. Said he made the like, what the? Yeah, but um, <laughs> but right. So something like a WebSocket, something like a long-running job that you know is react. Whatever. There are cases where I think you're right. Yeah, like a chat room, like or whatever. a bot, yeah. auto mining RuneScape stuff, or a scraper, or whatever. Or a chat room that needs to notify people when they're at message. Nobody would use WebSockets or a chat room or... Yeah. No, you're right. A chat room would be a great example. Yep. Dude, that would be wild if, like, Node... If you just, like, did this with Next or something and just, like, exposed some little... Like, fuck Next. Like, you just... Literally, the API we just built, you just package that up as a module. Yeah. And you just say, like, hey, like, here's routines and channels like yeah use them as you will you know and then like there's a world where like this just kind of like becomes a thing and then eventually like there's pressure to like add it to the language right you know dude we like, could that's we could code this up the, in like five 15 seconds it's pretty fucking sick though right like what if it's actually dope like what if we start writing code with it and it, we're like oh this rules bummer that we can't do this in php right PHP doesn't no, why have... Why can we not do it in PHP? There's no async. There's no async await in PHP. Yeah. Well, there's just no concurrency. Didn't somebody... Isn't this like a thing? Isn't this been yeah, like... I'm sure. I'm sure some psycho like, is doing some React PHP is shit. concurrent yeah. PHP without any... There's no... Um, there's no like extension or anything. It's native PHP. How do you... How does React PHP work? I really haven't done the deep dive yet. You know what I bet? I bet we could create this, dude. In React PHP? In PHP raw. In raw PHP. Straight up. We so make how our does the own concurrency async. of React PHP war? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's just like any like any native PHP concurrency that I've done is like a while true, you know? Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's make this in PHP. This is how we do it. So you got this function called routine or whatever, right? Yeah. You pass in a callback, right? Yeah. Okay. So this callback, this shit makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> this callback is stored. Me too. This callback stored somewhere, just like we we had it. Wait a sec. Okay, we have channel, right? We create channel. Yep. And channel. right, the thing we have to figure out is this promise difference. So when you call when you call pull, it's doing a while true, and watching a global variable for a change. And when that uh-huh. global variable changes, then it lets up. Then it cuts the while and does a return. So we basically, any okay, thing so that was only, a wait in JavaScript, issue. we now have a manual while loop that's holding up execution. Um, but yeah, the, the issue is like if you're holding up execution with a while true, you're truly holding it up, you know? Right. So Well, so I guess you wouldn't be holding up execution. You would be doing basically like a skip or something. But... D- does the while true like truly block? While true is truly blocking in PHP. So then it's not concurrency. Right. But there's got to be a way to create our you're, own like. You're selling me on this promise of concurrency using while trues. But then we interrogate how while trues work. And it's like, no, there can be no concurrency. Right. I'm just more saying thinking long running process like a silly goofy goober. Yeah. yeah but dude, yeah. asynchronous PHP is a Are you telling thing, me that right? React PHP has concurrency? Let's though? see. React PHP I'm concurrency. Um, introducing concurrent stream processing with React PHP. The big question is, do you need an extension? Um, dude, I bet there's a way to create like faux concurrency. 
um, somehow. Yeah, I mean, there's this like doing many but not too many. Okay, introducing Clue, React PHP MQ, the lightweight in-memory message queue to concurrently do many but not too many things at once, built on top of React PHP. Yeah, dude, there's some way we could do it. We could do it. I don't know. Yeah, it is pretty weird because you have to literally halt. I, I guess like, I don't think we'd be able to achieve our beauty syntax of just like, you know, where we had just await pull or whatever. I don't think we'd be able to do that. We would have to have like that would have to be in a callbackers. We'd have to do like a few layers of indirection, I think. Dude, I'm scanning this blog post right now. And it's all, all PHP. And then I'm just seeing this line. While the former version returned a response object, the latter returns a promise, which is fulfilled with a response object. And I was like, wait, what? Promises in... Promise is a link. PHP. React PHP slash promise is a, is a repo. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. A, a lightweight implementation of CommonJS promises for PHP. Yeah. So there's something. React PHP has deferred arrow promise, deferred arrow resolve, deferred arrow reject, and deferred yeah. arrow notify. Or we could just double down on uh, Swool or Roadrunner that like Octane uses. Well, but I mean, React PHP has promises. No, I know, but Swool would truly have like... Concurrency. Yeah, like they literally have asynchronous coroutine yeah. type stuff. Um, yeah. So what we need to do, we need to find a way to get the Laravel community completely doubled down on, like, you don't run Laravel not on Swool and Octane. Because then we unlock it's not gonna happen. a lot of crazy stuff. It's not going to happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, but, like, you know. You know why people write Laravel in the first place. Because we're dumb Cause... and we're not smart and we don't want to deal with smart stuff right and because we've onboarded a bunch of people who come from wordpress or whatever yeah you know like everybody's so, just and like dumb as we all do don't we but like the like the reason for running php is that like oh well i have a wordpress website on bluehost and i need to like <laughs> i need to add some web app components host gator i've heard of i've heard of laravel and i can also run it on bluehost right yeah so i'm gonna do that Yep. Yep. So that's that. Us, uh, us PHP folks, we're simple folks. We can't really we're handle. Folk. Yeah. Give me a stick. I dig hole. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, we're at two hours and seventeen minutes, buddy. Dude, it's been such a long one. This is a great one. Daniel, though. we need to somehow make a title that's banger enough that forces people to listen to it and not just get scared of two and a half hours. What you know? People, right? We determine that people don't care. I know people don't care. And as somebody who like occasionally works out in life, like now I'm back to like doing a bunch of exercise, my yearly, you know, exercise thing. Um, I'm like, oh man, you know, if I got a two hour podcast, that's like a two hour bike ride or something, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's a lot. I of, mean, okay. Great. So there's like the technical title, which is like writing go routines in PHP, which is kind of clickbait. Um, <laughs> con PHP concurrency. That's clickbait. Uh, yeah, we'll think of something because we also have to like, we talked a lot of like Alpine headless UI. Um, we also talked neck stuff. We did talk neck stuff. So we got to, I don't know, we'll, we'll come up with something. 
but uh, but I think it, it is time though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one plug for the listener: go play the video game Satisfactory. It's a it's a video game about running a factory. It's like Factorio, but it's oh. like three D and it's fun, mm, cool, and it's beautiful world, and you can do architecture and like all my factories look really sexy. Wow, I've got a server with my brother in law. We're just building factories. Stream Factory, folks. Stew Factory. Go check it out. Stactory. What's it called? Yeah, it's a fact. It's a factory builder. Factory, factory store. Factory builder uh, repository. Pattern. What's it called? Stractory. What are you talking? About? Satisfactory. Satisfactory. <laughs> um, that's great, Daniel. Uh, Stevo. I was just watching the Wee Man Stevo interview um, on Stevo's Wild Ride. Do you watch Stevo's Wild Ride? Is that his podcast? Yeah. Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. Okay. Um, anyway, he's like railing on video games and everybody in the comments are like just mad about it because they just expect different from somebody who wasted most of their life on like drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's he's like anti-video game. He's like, he's like, you don't get... <laughs> you don't get... Uh, no, he's enlightened now. But yeah, he does sound like that. Um, yeah. He's like, it doesn't get you laid. And then they're like, well, it does get you laid now. But like... No, but like sure. it doesn't get you laid and it doesn't um whatever. It's just like it's just a huge waste of time and you have nothing to show for it. Um and yes, yeah, so a lot of people were like Sure. You're a dick. Yeah. Same with skateboarding, but No, skateboarding is regarded at least on that podcast. They had a whole bit on that of like there's like nothing better you could do with your life. Like people who skateboard yeah, exactly. are just like gonna be extremely successful. Because you yeah. just like failed a bunch of times over and over. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, as we all know, everyone who we know who skateboards is extremely successful. Universally so, true. It's, yeah, it's facts of life. When all your friends are successful skateboarders, I mean, you might think that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a survivor bias yeah. situation. Uh, all right. I'm well, I'm going to bring up the picture of the airplane again. You guys know it. Go look it up. Oh. What is it? A bi- survivorship bias picture thing that you we talked yeah. about? What is it? Just Google survivorship bias airplane. And you'll see a picture of it. All right, I'll say it. So like, uh, there's all these airplanes coming back during World War One, um, and they were like using the airplanes that came back to figure out how to make the airplane airplane stronger. Oh right. And they were like, oh well, it seems like they only get shot in the like wing and the tail, and so so they're putting all this armor on the wings and the tail. Uh, but it's not actually decreasing the number of airplanes that get shot down. And it's because obviously yeah. the ones that got shot in the wings and the tail are the ones that survived. All right. And the ones that got shot in the body are the ones that blew up and crashed. Yeah. And so they, anyway, there's a diagram of like the place where all the bullet holes were on the plane. And it's like, just not where the person is. <laughs> that is so funny. It's like, it's wild. The Germans keep missing. Like their aim is terrible. That's very funny. Uh, it's a bad time to be a pilot. If I do say so bad myself. Bad time to be a pilot. Was a bad time to be a pilot, man. Yeah. Um, cue it, Daniel. Let's cue the outro music. Mm-hmm. Now. Nah.